Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 229 of At Odds with Wrestling. Joe and Adam here. Adam, hello. How are you? <sighs> Joe, play the music. I'm a little slow on the draw here. Joe, everyone knows that I am the hardest working man in all of podcasting. And over the last week, I've made the rounds. I've gone on a media tour, if you will, pushing the all-new AdOddsWrestling.com and the new Amazon click-through as you're sitting there eating a bag of chips. No, it's the ice in my drinky-poo. Oh, well, to my surprise, imagine my surprise, Joe, when I woke up. At the crack of 11 a.m. on Tuesday to an email from Amazon that said, and I quote, your website did not meet our content standards as the content on your site is insufficient. The content should provide high quality and valuable insights to the customer on a subject or product they might not get easily, end quote. Needless to say, Joe, I was shocked by this. AdOddsWrestling.com offers no shortage of content, whether it be links to our current or past shows, our merch store featuring new designs updated weekly, or a link to our award-eligible Patreon. What more content can you seriously ask for? I I honestly have no idea. But obviously, undeterred, I emailed Amazon with an appeal. I pointed out that we're a well-established lifestyle brand podcast with thousands of weekly listeners from around the globe. Minimally. Yes, exactly. I brought up your celebrity status in the industry. Oh my goodness. And the fact that I'm obviously an influencer in the toy community. And in less than 12 hours, Joe, they denied our appeal. (laughs) Their poorly worded email also had the balls to say, quote, successful websites will give the customer a unique experience or insight that is not available anywhere else. Well-written information on a certain subject will help build you an audience, which will also give the customer a reason to visit your site not only once, but in the future. End quote. Thank you, Amazon. Thank you for teaching me how to put together a well-written piece of information. This is the same company that recently described a USB cable I bought as, quote, 100-watt, 4-foot USB-C to USB-C cable fast charge cable slash Type-C nylon braided Type-C cable with LED display for Samsung Galaxy S21, S20, S10, S9+, plus, comma, parentheses, black USB Type-C, end parentheses, not Type-A, Type-B. Oh, it's like reading Shakespeare, Joe. What a well-written piece of content available on Amazon.com. The balls on this company. Don't they know who the hell we are? We're the Lamborghini of wrestling podcasts and the second most influential toy podcast. And they're going to say that our website doesn't offer significant content? Didn't they see the fucking shirts? That pink Final Wrestling Play shirt is a work of art. Like, I, I am sorry our stuff isn't made in China like 95% of the garbage Amazon pedals. 
I would have made more content eventually, and then and then Amazon employees could have read all that content during the bathroom breaks that they don't get. That fucking James Bond villain wannabe Jeff Bezos would have been proud of the content we're going to provide for Patreon. So proud he would have been sad when his ex-wife took half of it. Fuck Jeff Bezos. He looks like a fucking thumb. Fuck Amazon. Fuck their affiliate program. Fuck their stupid little smiles on the side of their stupid boxes. And fuck seasons two and three of The Man in the High Castle on Prime Video. Those seasons suck. Fuck all of them. Now, Adam, I want to I wanna show you something here. And I'm going to ask you... Um, you know, not to say the name of the website or the podcast or anything else like that, okay? Yeah. I want you to keep in mind all the stuff that you said in regards to what Amazon told you about why we were rejected. Your repeat appeal was rejected, right? Mm-hmm. So here's this website for this podcast, okay? Yep. Okay, I would say that our website probably looks a little bit uh, better than this, right? I mean, that looks like an AOL chat room, but go ahead. Okay. It's a, and it's a well-established podcast. They've been, um, you know, doing this iteration of the podcast for well over 12-plus years, right? Now, I'm going to go here. Um, do you see their Amazon banner right over here? Yep. Okay. Now, I am going to say um, nowhere on the page for the site does it give you any sort of information about the items that you would be purchasing through the Amazon banner? Now, when I click on their Amazon banner, it does take you to uh, a random item there. And it's just this one random item, which is a movie that was made by one of the people that's on the podcast, right? So I guess that counts, right? And then one of the other items that it clicks to in a different banner is a book that was written by one of the other people on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Okay? Um so- so we have to make a movie and write a book. Got it. <laughs> I think okay, that's not what I'm saying. So what I'm saying is, um, I definitely think I don't know uh, if you've listened to Longbox Heroes, the Longbox Heroes After Dark. Um, I think this is just, or uh, I think this is uh, Todd saying that they've just Amazon has just made the decision that you know if we could find any way to get out of doing this for a little company, we will. And we're not going to be granting any more. We're going to give you the option to sign up for it, right? Yeah. But we're not going to give you the information. We're going to uh, do everything that we can to deny any new people because we're not going to give away a nickel of this money, right? Yeah. And, and like when when I first signed up, it was the first email I got was, congrats, you're approved. But then when they sent the letter saying that, when they were shutting us down, it was like, oh, hey, your temporary account is no longer valid, you know, after the initial review that you should have expected coming. Like, there was nothing about being temporary in any of that process. I was going to ask, did the original email say anything about temporary? Not at all. Not at all. It was it was so ridiculously quick and easy with very little fine print, to be honest with you. And nowhere in there did it say you know, you would be subject to a, a review, like based on like your initial sign up. You know, there were certain conditions, and those conditions were that you know you were recommending a, a specific product, and our website met those re- you know those requirements. Hmm. I mean, it wasn't a book that I wrote, but I, I'm going to get busy, I guess. But that's the other thing is it's like just like Longbox Heroes got shut down now. 
the domain of at odds wrestling.com might have the stink on it. So like they literally said in the final email that like the decision was final and to like not try again. I don't yes. know if like the website was completely redesigned and filled with blogs and other garbage, like all, all of a sudden it would get approved, but uh, it was not a very like come back and try us again in a month type of opportunity. Yeah. Uh, so I like I said, obviously this is you telling me that there was the uh, final decision that came back, and I I, I will at least say this. Um, you know when they when you s- submitted your appeal and you get the reply email that says we will reply to you in one to two business days, they actually replied to you in half a day. As opposed to when I submitted my appeals, it took me submitting the the appeal three times and a week for them to get back in touch with me. Yeah, they couldn't be uh, in more of a hurry to tell us to fuck off on the at-odds one. Yeah. But you know what? Amazon might be a shitty website, but Joe, I hear there's a site that's actually good and that people want to shop at. That's right. Um, eBay is a site where you can name your own price practically um any any uh seller who wants to put on their uh their uh, their their auction make offer you're a fool if you don't mm-hmm. uh you've heard us tell stories of our make offer uh success stories and listen i can't speak for selling things on ebay but i do know that ebay does give the person who buys something practically too much power some would say <laughs> So, uh, if you want to expand your wrestling collection of any kind, uh, be sure to do so through our eBay affiliate link. Uh, and you can find that uh, over at uh, http <laughs> colon backslash backslash www.atoddswrestling.com uh, or in the uh, show notes that accompany any one of these episodes. It's on the World Wide Web. That's right. Uh, <laughs> whatever browser you're using, Netscape, uh, a DOS browser of some kind, uh, if you're going in through the AOL Grandstand, however it is that you access keyword eBay, <laughs> be sure to use our affiliate link first. Uh, so we get, a, yeah, I'll say a pretty generous kickback. Uh, I'll be completely honest with you. We already had a purchase come through in the short amount of time that this has been available, like literally since Monday as we record. So um, thank you uh, to anyone who has been um, accessing at oddswrestling.com, purchasing stuff, looking at stuff, whatever, uh, through your, uh, you know, through our eBay affiliate links and any other ways that you could help us out, you know? Yeah, and I actually I had some listeners uh, message me during the week saying that they were trying to use our Amazon affiliate, and I had to be like, uh, tune into the show." But you know, thank you. But you know, thanks anyways for trying. Uh, I appreciate that. But uh, as you were saying, the other way people can support our show is by signing up for our Patreon, because later on in this very episode, it will be our last non-Patreon, our last free episode of show homework and thank you to the folks who have already signed up for the patreon we actually had quite a few people so thank you hey and i want to throw to you um the person who handles that patreon right mm-hmm. um just as ex- you know last week we had like the little bit of me making suggestions and you're like oh you're looking at an old version or you suck or whatever it is right <laughs> yeah it's exactly what i said so 
when you go to the Patreon, right? I know you put last week's episode up there. Yes. Um, you should make the regular episodes that are free public posts. Okay, easy enough. Yeah. I just that's haven't. All. Yeah, that's an easy fix. It's just it asks you what tier you want to stick it on. I I thought I did, but that's okay. Uh, just don't yeah. like any like it's it's just like um like a bit of a redundancy that it's available for free everywhere. But when you go to the Patreon, it's like, hey, this thing that you can get free everywhere else, you don't get it unless you're a patron. <laughs> and I get like the logistics is why Patreon defaults that way. But you know, yeah. No, that's an easy fix. That's yeah, I can yeah. take care of that. And if somebody ever takes, uh, actually wants to, uh, number one, if they're a Patreon or a patron, and number two, that they use the RSS feed, let me know if that works because Joe says that's a thing, and I don't believe him. Uh, I I can confirm it works. Obviously, not for our Patreon, but at least um, of the one, two, three. Four, five, six, seven, eight podcasts that I, or the eight patrons that I subscribe to that have a podcast element. I have their RSS fees uh, pointed at my uh, text file of things. And okay. I know a friend of the show, listener of the show, Kevin Ford, could uh, back me up on that. Okay. Yeah. Like, I just want to see if in practice, like if all of them show up on there or whatever, I'm just curious because yeah. I'll never test it, you know, not only because right. I'm not a patron, but also because I'll never use a, an RSS feed. All right. Well, you, you keep playing with uh, Google podcasts and wait six to 10 days for a podcast to become available. I will. All right. <laughs> well, uh, enough about that. Thanks for letting us get the plugs out of the way. I'm sorry that the Amazon thing ended so shabbily, but it is what it is. Yep. We had a good run. <laughs> yeah, an entire week. <laughs> yep. All right, so let's get into the show, eh? And now, At Odds with Wrestling presents This Day in Wrestling History. <laughs> this Day, Wrestling History, 1997. The World Wrestling Entertainment held the In Your House Final Four pay-per-view. Okay. While this match was originally, or the main event of this show was originally supposed to be to see who really won the Royal Rumble, as there was the disputed finish as Stone Cold Steve Austin had won after he'd already been eliminated, and these men in the Final Four match were the Final Four men in the Royal Rumble match, but in between the Royal Rumble and this pay-per-view, someone, I'm not saying who, lost their smile. So this match had to become for the vacated World Wrestling Entertainment title. <laughs> a very valid reason to take a step away. You know, yes. mental health is super important, Joe. And oh, I don't... <laughs> definitely. You know me when it comes to men's mental health. Um, but... Uh, this is, you know, still a transitional period for World Wrestling Entertainment. Even though it's 1997, it still feels more like 1996, uh, except for this main event. Go out of your way to watch this main event. It's Bret Hart versus Cold Stone Steve Austin versus The Undertaker versus Vader. Uh, this match is awesome. Uh, Vader bleeds buckets in this match. And uh, spoilers, everyone, Mr. Hitman wins the title. Yay, Mr. Hitman. Yes, Mr. Hitman. Um... <laughs> Flash forward one year later, 1998, 
uh, World Wrestling Entertainment Monday Night Raw versus World Championship Wrestling Monday Nitro head-to-head. And this is a weird situation, whereas um, I think... Uh, so this, uh, okay, so this is the night after the No Way Out in Your House pay-per-view. Okay. Um, we're still building up toward, we're now officially building toward WrestleMania. Um, if you look at, like, the, the lineup for this Raw, it's like, they're trying to fix the previous year stuff, right? Uh, this is the official end of the Truth Commission, where the Jackal turns his back on the other members of the Truth Commission and just becomes the sole manager of Kurgan. Okay. Um, This is the beginning of the Owen Hart-Jeff Jarrett rivalry friendship that would sort of start as Owen, who was supposed to be a main event player, um, is quickly being shunted down the card. Just two Um, years prior to Jeff Jarrett becoming my best buddy. Right, we'll get to that. Oh, boy, will we get to that later. Um, but this episode of Raw is one of those, like, like everyone's like, oh, man, the Attitude Era was great, and the Attitude Era was the best, and I loved everything about the Attitude Era. So on this two-hour episode of Raw, there was maybe three minutes that were good, and this is the uh, episode where The Rock gives the nation all of their gifts for helping them retain the Intercontinental title the night before. The, the giant picture for Farouk, right? Yeah, everybody else gets Rolexes. Um, <laughs> he even offers to pay for the extra extenders so it'll fit around Mark Henry's wrist for his. Uh, he did not get them custom made for the guys, which is an oversight of the Rock's part, but I, I yeah, listen, I understand. Um, but then, like, he gives Farouk the frame picture of himself, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Again, a great moment. Thought- yeah, a great moment thought- in uh, Raw history. No, absolutely. I think there's a lot more thought involved in the picture. It's a much more personal gift. Sure. Rook should have been pleased. <laughs> he certainly was not pleased. <laughs> uh, over on Nitro, on the other hand, uh, Nitro is officially now three hours all the time, right? Yay. Um, I really don't care about the main event stuff. Like, the NWO is such a dead angle um, in my memory at this point. Um, but this, there's a bunch of, like, little things that happen on this episode of Nitro, right? Uh, this one, Rick Martell wins the TV title. I have Um, no memory of that. Okay, so Rick Martell is, like, in this, like, middle-of-the-card program where it's, like, him and Booker T and Saturn and sometimes Chris Benoit when Chris Benoit's not feuding with Raven, right? Uh, Chris Benoit is like in the next month or so going to be moved up to like U.S. title level. Um, and then I think like Fit Finley ends up getting involved in the TV title mix here shortly. Right. Okay. Um, but sadly, and we'll get to it when we get to it. The Rick Martel TV title run is short lived. Um, now over the weekend, it had been, um, found out that, um, Louis McCauley, who had recently just come into the company, uh, had passed away, right? All right. Uh, he was 27 years old. It was very clearly a drug overdose, right? Which is very tragic. Um, and as they opened up Nitro with a graphic, um, and a 10 bell salute, as we head to the ring for our opening match, this is what we get. I want to do, uh, before this match gets underway, to get your uh, feelings on the Louis McCauley. Well, I got some feelings, Tony, but in respect to Spicoli's family, we'll, we'll just let it rest. Let's forget it. 
Very good. Hugh Morris. <laughs> very, very good. good. Very good. Uh, <laughs> I remember at the time that was odd. And here, 25 years later, it's still just as odd. Stay classy, Larry Zabisco. No wonder no one likes you. Yeah, really. <laughs> uh, That's fucking so shitty. I never heard that. Oh, I my don't goodness. Remember, I don't remember it, obviously, when it first happened, you know, or I didn't notice it. Yeah. So and this is and I think this is maybe part of the reason why, um, you know, so much of the main event stuff on Nitro, like, doesn't resonate with me the same way that the other stuff does is because Nitro was three hours at this point. I would watch the first hour of Nitro because on on opposed to eight o'clock. Yeah. And then once Raw would come on, I'd watch Raw. So, like, you can quiz me on the first hour of Nitros from 1998 and 1999. <laughs> um, but once they no longer are head to head with uh you know the, the raw your guess is as good as mine of what happened yeah what an oddly specific game of final match game that would be a <laughs> very oddly specific i'm gonna pitch it to joe gagney even though he no sold me when i made uh suggestions for other people to be on the show but i completely understand he's he's got his things to do you know yeah um, and I will say this, you know, as and again, it's three hours of Nitro. They're filling time with matches like Mike Enos versus Barry Horowitz and Sick Boy versus Mark Starr. But mm. we get red letter, often underlooked great moments in the Attitude Era, like this one. Here we go. How do you are, you pumped up English mongrel? <laughs> Listen, son. And don't stand there drinking coffee when a man's talking to you, David boy. Whoa. Here we go again. On, it was a war world. Don't stand don't. there. Ta- don't stand there holding a cup of coffee when a man is talking to you. What the <laughs> hell is Mongo talking about? I, I don't know. Like I stand and hold a cup of coffee when people are talking to me all the time. Am I being disrespectful? <laughs> Apparently so. Wow, I didn't even realize it. <laughs> Again, according to uh, Mongo McMichael, I, apparently that's very disrespectful. No, oh, all right. Good to know. <laughs> so that's it, man. That's really all there was from this day in wrestling history. There is one thing that I want to touch on. Um, okay. Unfortunately, it, I don't think the entire episode shows up, but it might have to now. Um, do you remember what happens with the World uh, Championship Wrestling television title? Uh, in 2000, during the, that middle Russo era? Uh, I mean, there's so much crap. I mean, are you not talking about uh, Duggan, are you? I am. Okay, yeah, Duggan finds the discarded television title and uh, basically becomes the TV champ. Yes, until Russo rebooks. Yeah. Uh, until we get the Russo-Bischoff relaunch in April. But yeah, it was uh, This Day in Wrestling History 2000 uh, episode of WCW Saturday Night. Duggan, who had been given a gimmick of a janitor by the powers that be, Russo and uh, Ferrara are gone, booking WCW, and Duggan finds the TV title that Scott Hall had thrown away months prior. <laughs> I'm not sure how. I'm not sure if they were back in the same building or the garbage traveled with them when they would go building a building. A lot of that's <laughs> unclear. Uh, but for the next six weeks or so. Uh, Jim Duggan was the TV champion because he found the belt in the trash. Uh, two things. I used that angle on an episode of the A-Show to allow young upstart Adam Van to become the television champion, if you remember, <laughs> beating Axel Jim Duggan. And my other thing is, uh, at some point on an episode of Raw, are we going to have Duggan fish the 24-7 title out of the trash? 
Uh, well, because it missed going in the garbage can, I'm not really sure. <laughs> it's just right next to the garbage at a completely different arena. <laughs> right. But uh, did that? No, that didn't. Ha- did that happen at the Raw we went to? I don't. I don't even yeah. remember. Yeah, that was. Uh, who can forget the night that Dana Brooke lost the title to Nikki Cross? I know DJ. I, uh, yeah, he's not, remembers he's, it. Yeah. <laughs> You'll never forget. <laughs> right. Um, I wonder if it's still backstage at the uh, whatever the hell they call the arena in Wilkes-Barre is now. Oh, you can only hope. They just left hope. it there. You know. <laughs> Nobody wants it. All right, so that's all we got for wrestling history uh, today, sir. All right, I'll start things off. And I, I don't know about your notes or what you're going to talk about, Joe. I watched WWE as much as I normally watch. I watched AEW. I have absolutely nothing from either of those companies that I want to talk about. So I'm going to start off with a show that I watched on Saturday, and that is AIW This Aggression Will Not Stand. Live from a bowling alley, a new venue. A nice venue for like their B show. I think they'll admit to it that you know it's a new venue. It's not their their bigger crowds, but uh, nice show up or nice showing for the debut at the arena. Uh, I'm a little disappointed that nobody got sent down the lanes into the pins, but uh, I might have been given the Iggy that maybe next time. But the reason why I want to talk about this is because obviously Chuck Stone and I were supposed to face PME. But Brian Carson came out and joined Philly and Marino, which is a shame because then who's going to say fuck a bunch of times on commentary. But I I called in a favor and had my fellow indie wrestling guide guest Sam Holloway join us. And we ended up having a six man tag. That was a lot of fun. It was uh, if I don't dare say dare so say myself, uh, it was probably a five star match. Maybe a six-star in a Tokyo bowling alley. Um, But when all was said and done, I ended up looking at the lights. And it was worth it, though, because at the end of it, I fulfilled a childhood dream by uh, having a drink with the Sandman. Sandman came out and cleaned house, and myself and Chuck and uh, Hardway uh, all had some beers with the Sandman. So it was a great time. AIW has been having some uh, issues, of course, in 2023 with venues. Uh, they lost the Odeon, they lost the Winchester, but, uh, at the top of the show, Adam says that he's the hardest working man in podcasting. John Thorne is the hardest working man in indie wrestling. Yeah. And I looked at, uh, the venue online and if, uh, for the Cleveland show on the 24th, uh, just cause I was like, oh, well, let's see where this is in relation to the Odeon. And so I brought it up on the internet and like it showed pictures of the inside. And if the one that I found on the internet is actually where they're running, it's a really nice place. Mm-hmm. So uh, maybe, I don't know, Jay Gold, I know you're not listening to this, but somebody tell Jay Gold, <laughs> we got to get this going. <laughs> oh boy. Um, <laughs> Water, just let him know. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you were mentioned watching the other two, the big two product, of course. Um, and I'll do a two for here with Monday Night Raw. Okay. Um, we'll talk about my second favorite segment and my favorite segment from Monday Night Raw this past week. All right. My second favorite segment from Monday Night Raw this past week was uh, Cody and Sami Zayn. Uh, uh, Nightmare uh, Narcotic running through your veins. Well, again, he's standing next to Sami Zayn, so you know <laughs> what I mean? Um, it was a really good promo. I watched it twice. Um, you know, once this happened live and again, 
the next morning over uh, my cup of coffee. No one was talking to me, so I was allowed to hold it. Uh, <laughs> a, man, a man wasn't talking to me. I apologize. Um, so I don't think Sammy's winning the belt this weekend. And I don't think Sammy's going to the pay-per-view. Uh, but I could def- or going to WrestleMania, but I could definitely see that promo convincing a lot of people because it came close to convincing me, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but my favorite segment from Monday Night Raw this past week uh, was Maxine Dupree doing some scouting for the next Maximum Male model. I'm not sure if you saw this. Oh, I saw it. I honestly, uh, now that I'm thinking about, it, I'm kind of disappointed. This isn't in my talking points. <laughs> she's she's got an eye toward Otis, <laughs> and listen, Otis and Chad Gable have been a great team as Alpha Academy. Um, but I tell you, there's nothing better. Like Otis during like pre and early days of the pandemic was one of the best. And most over natural baby faces on that company. And they just screwed him over with all the dumb money and the bank stuff and the lunchbox and getting swindled by Miz and then getting turned on by Tucker and then him just completely being forgotten about. Everyone talks about like, oh man, WWE is so great now. They have these two great natural over baby faces that just all happen naturally. Now, first of all, let's not kid ourselves. Cody was shoved down our throats from the moment he showed up at WrestleMania last year as a natural baby face who is actually like a very unlikable person if you just look at him. And <laughs> Sammy has organically gotten over with this character for almost the last, like, what, year possibly, right? Yeah, shortly after his match with the Jackass people, I think is when he got with the Bloodline, you know? Right. Lest we all forget on how fantastic and over Otis was. When Max... Oh, good. And if him becoming a Maximum Male model is what gets him back on the comedy babyface side of things, let's go. Yeah. Like, first of all, uh, Maxine makes a perfect substitute for Mandy, you know, because obviously you can have that where like it's a beautiful woman kind of falling for or at least seeing something in uh, a larger man. So that is a natural replacement there. But when she gave him the business card and he has that look on his face that, you know, wide eyed and kind of making a weird look with his, you know, whatever. It's the first time he's had that kind of expressiveness since he was a baby face, since he was with Mandy. And I was like, holy shit, like personality out of Otis again. I I want this because I fought the Otis thing very hard back in the day. But when I came around, I came around hard. It's kind of like L.A. Night, you know, it took a while. But once I got there, I was firmly invested and I want to see Otis in the Maximum Male Models I want to see him doing like a catwalk. I'm thinking of like the Chris Farley Chippendale skit on Saturday Night Live. It just writes itself. And like you said, uh, the Alpha Academy was perfectly fine, but it's not going anywhere. And it's run its course. Let's let's let Otis shine again. Absolutely. All right. Uh, The other thing, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but I'll just say after AIW was done... I knew that there was some other wrestling going on, uh, I, so I fired up my Chromecast. I went to a totally legitimate website, and I tried to catch the end of NWA Nuff Said. 
Uh, but for whatever reason, that totally legit website wanted me to like use a password to watch the event. And I don't remember what it was. So I decided those extra steps weren't worth it. But from what I saw online after the fact, uh, is that that big fat fuck Tyrus beat Broski and retained the NWA belts. Um, <laughs> I guess they wanted him to be champion because he was in a commercial during the Super Bowl for Gutfeld. And, uh, all right. Um, but it's sad. And this isn't even like a defend broski bit here. This is just a sad state of a company that wanted to try to become legitimate again. But it's sad when Cardona has to be the work rate guy in a match and drag a passable match out of somebody. And compared to Tyrus, Broski looked like Brian Danielson in that match. Uh, like, honestly, it, it's just mind-boggling that, that Smashing Pumpkins looks at Tyrus and is like, yeah, that's the face of our company. That's the guy we want. I don't know, man. I just... <sighs> I wish what? I can understand. So, I, and again, you know, we try to keep this sort of thing out of the show. You know, this is not a politics podcast or any stretch of the imagination. But I certainly feel as though Tyrus having the same politics as Billy Corgan is helping a lot of keeping that belt around him, just as much as him being a regular on the Gutfeld show. You know, yeah. And in Billy's mind, um, you know, Tyrus being on, you know credit where credit is due for like every caveat and every uh excuse that i could make gutfeld is a very highly watched show and to have the nwa title on there on a daily if not weekly basis is probably good pr for the nwa but i think by now we see that there is very little to no turnover of that crowd coming to watch the fat sloven guy who occasionally is allowed to talk on Gutfeld come and be a fat slovenly, you know, disaster uh, on the NWA programming. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm just going to guess and say that the amount of major pod fans in an NWA audience versus the amount of Gutfeld, like drawn in by Gutfeld fans, is probably a hundred to one, and it's. I don't know it, it whatever he just he looks like shit it, and again that's no disrespect I'm a big fat fuck but he's the the king of big fat fucks yeah he's he's embarrassing to look at yeah tiny oh. dick too oh my god <laughs> and again I'm not here to I never call me a tyrus defender uh, but I will say maybe it's just all of his fat covers up his dick <laughs> <laughs> and you can't see anyway. <laughs> what else you got, Joe? Uh, so, Adam, there's been a lot of rumbling uh, online over these last 24 hours as we're recording this that Wednesday night's episode of Dynamite was the worst episode of Dynamite ever. It was right up there. And I will say the nay. It was not the worst episode of Dynamite ever. Uh, that was the one where the advertised and delivered main event was Malachi Black versus Brock Anderson. Um, <laughs> but this one definitely had more middle of the road to Mez than hits and home runs out of the park. You know, the opener was fun. Um, I thought the uh, da uh, Christopher Daniels promo with a guy standing around holding the title was really good. Um, 
I thought Jun- Jungle Boy versus Brian Cage was a very serviceable match. The return of Christian, a real heel in the company, we should put the belt on him, uh, making his return was uh, fun and exciting, uh, in my opinion. And, uh, you know, they, they tried some stuff. Um, maybe a lot of it didn't land. But uh, on the bill, and I, I thought the uh, the tornado scramble match with uh, uh, fucking uh, Vance and uh, Rouge taking on Claudio and uh, Moxley was really good too, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Rouge is awesome, man. Like I'm not like I'm not telling anyone anything that they don't already know, but uh, I could see Rouge being like a main guy if not hovering right around like the title picture in the next, like, six months in AEW if they're smart. Yeah, or at the very least, you know, world title, ring of honor, contender. Something. Yeah. Um, I liked the, uh, obviously, Christian coming back. I popped for that. Like, I, I really like Christian. Yeah. Uh, it's another person that, like, I've come around on a lot. Like, I've never disliked Christian, but I've grown to appreciate him a lot more since he's had this run in AEW. Um, I liked the Hangman... Blackpool Combat Club stuff because for a moment I thought that Hangman was going to get an invitation to the Blackpool Combat Club and I uh, like the Dark Order coming out and being like no no fuck you we're going to stand up for Hangman but beyond that man like Christopher Daniels coming out in 2023 uh, no thank you uh, that was like hey let's revitalize an MJF promo by bringing out a guy that's not much more fun um, yeah that that went on way too long and the matches for the most part, uh, nothing that I would write home about. Very seldom do I come out of a dynamite where there isn't something that I'm like, oh, okay, I'll, this this will probably make the show or this will make my top four things to talk about. Yeah, it, I'm not going to say it was the worst one ever, but it wasn't that great. It wasn't memorable. It was every single thing that happened on that show I'll forget by next Wednesday. No, they've been on a hot streak, uh, like I said, the last couple of weeks. And uh, how dare you disparage Gloryhound Daniels? He's, uh, <laughs> you know, it's... He'll he'll always get like a look see from me. I'm always interested in what uh, Christopher Daniels is up to, you know. Uh, uh, only, right. only if it only if it's because he's the guy you got to email if you want to get people for outside bookings. Yeah, well, that, <laughs> I understand that, but luckily I'm not. I don't have the book anywhere. <laughs> well, I get. I don't either. But a lot of times I had to be the guy to get the email to get to the anyway. Did did, did you have, like, where are we at on getting Sky Blue for LVAC? Come on, man. Get that email out. (laughs) Listen, as soon as I get a date on the next LVAC show, I'm going to say Sky Blue, you know? All right. Put butts in the seats. (laughs) Write down Sky Blue's name. We need to talk. (laughs) Will do. All right. Um, So do you have anything else? Because I got one more thing to, to wrap us up with here. No, I'm good. What do you got? So, you know, we mentioned, of course, um, how Dynamite may have been eh. And uh, what was the show where they would, like, say so-and-so is having, like, the best week ever? Uh, I don't know. Does this ring a bell to you? The Soup or one of those, like, recap shows or whatever it was? I think so. I've never watched it. Now, outside of one, and I'd say major, major snafu, uh, you know who is uh, yet again having the best week ever, Adam? Who's that, Joe? We'll cut it off there. So, uh, Double J, Jeff Jarrett has the phenomenal eight-man tag 
Um, and obviously with all the the comedy and haha in that match, that I, I definitely feel that was a lot of Jeff's doing. Um, Jeff had that great uh, hey EW this past Sunday with RJ City. Um, obviously, I'm very biased, and I thought it was the best one ever. <laughs> but a lot of people who are not Jeff Jarrett fans uh, came away um, saying that that was uh, really, really good. Uh, Jeff's podcast, My World, came out this past week, and it was Jeff talking about um, his first year in the business. And, you know, I'm an old, and I love old wrestling, and I love Double J, and him getting into the minutia of, like, his, like, 1986 wrestling 23 times in a month and like how he and Pat Tanaka would structure tag matches as they would go to different towns and stuff like, Oh, like that's so my wheelhouse of stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. And Jeff, uh, and again is doing all of this, um, while, uh, his father is like on his deathbed and dies. Yeah. Uh, this week, uh, his father, Jerry Jarrett, one of the most influential people in all of professional wrestling. Um, you know, so much of what you saw ever. And listen, there is no more bigger Bruce Pritchard apologist than me. OK, <laughs> Bruce, yeah. don't make me no goddamn money. Right. And I'm more of an apologist for him than I think Conrad is sometimes. Right. Mm hmm. And I think a lot of the negative opinion that people have of Jerry Jarrett over the last like six or seven years is because of Bruce's lambasting of Jerry on the podcast, right? And it's all fun. And I think it's Bruce being a silly boy doing a silly bit um, to get people talking. But for better or for worse, a lot of the stuff that worked in WWF um, in like 93, 94 which wasn't a lot of stuff, but if something worked, it was probably a, a Jerry Jarrett idea. Because uh, that's when Vince was going through the steroid trial and Jerry was in charge and sadly being undermined by Bruce and Pat Patterson and like other people like that. But like so much of the stuff that like a lot of the cool people that you've come see up through wrestling in the 90s and 2000s got their start in Memphis and they may not have gotten the best paydays in Memphis, but it was Jerry Jarrett who saw, you know, um, you know, the potential in these people. He's the one who told Vince not to let Randy Savage go to WCW. He's like, Jerry's the one who came up with the idea for the way the first like couple weeks of Monday night raw was, um, and then even further still, if you are watching Impact today, it's because of Jerry Jarrett in 2002, um, getting involved with his son and sadly Vince Russo mm. and all the other people there. But Jerry Jarrett, one of the most influential people, he and Jeff had you know several fallings out over the last several years, uh, but within the last three or four years, they've reconciled. Uh, you know, and Jeff has been very public about this. And there's a moment on the podcast this week because um, they recorded the podcast on Monday. Um, podcast gets released on Tuesday. And then it was Tuesday afternoon where Jerry had passed away. So whether or not Jeff knew um, that his dad did not have much time to live or that his dad had already passed. Um, you know, Jeff breaks down on the podcast, like talking about his dad. Um and you could see, like, how much his dad meant to him. And I know if it was me, 
and I'm Jeff Jarrett, and I look like that, and I break down over my old man passing away, I would have had that edited out of the show. I wouldn't let anyone see that. Um, you know, and like kudos to Jeff and Conrad for allowing that to go out there. Um, you know, and obviously Jeff, you know, being the worker that he is, it's like, Hey man, my dad died on a Tuesday. I got a booking on a Wednesday. I got to go to work, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, joking around at first, bringing around a little bit of seriousness, you know, um, our thoughts are with Jeff and his family. Um, you know, and I don't know, maybe, maybe this will be, maybe things happen, Later in this show that I might be able to convince uh, Adam to watch some 1986 Memphis TV instead of what I have planned. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Um, but yeah, I mean, honestly, when uh, Dynamite started and obviously Jarrett uh, was the first person out there, um, it, it dawned on me. I'm like, holy shit, like his he, his dad just died yesterday and he's out yeah. here, you know, just he, healing it up in front of the crowd. And I was like, oh, what a professional, you know, right. so that was kudos to him. Uh, yeah, that's it. Um, but, uh, you know, go, you, you know, go watch Jeff's stuff from this week. Uh, go watch the, uh, Hey, EW with him and RJ from this past Sunday. And, uh, you know, listen, slowly but surely, I may have turned some people on with the help of Mountain Dew Pitch Black to LA Night, <laughs> but I'm going to get y'all on the double J train. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, Ed Cody's going to go to Colossal Con as uh, Cat Girl Jeff Jarrett, so that's a step. That's right. I think as the timing, uh, the poll that I put up, um, it has been voted on that uh, for Colossal Con, uh, young Ed uh, is going to have to go as WCW Slapnuts era Cat Girl Jeff Jarrett, and uh, I'll link him the thread of all the different fits that Jeff wore. Mm-hmm. With all the different like sunglasses and silk shirts that he wore, um, one of those silk shirts you could see in the picture that Adam posted up. Now, Adam, <laughs> I love Jeff Jarrett, right? Okay, uh-huh. very rarely have I gotten an opportunity. Oh. There's that word, um, 1999, 2000, whenever this was. It probably wasn't in my mindset to be going to like on sale dates to meet wrestlers. It was just the way that my mind worked. Uh, the one time that I did get the uh, chance to meet and get a picture with Jeff Jarrett was the first time that he was booked for AIW. His segment was on first. He was late to the building. So it was literally he got there, got the guitar from Dr. Dan. They went over their shit. He went out, did his spot with Dr. Dan, did his meet and greet and went home. You know, mm-hmm. so I got zero time to even converse or whatever. But, Adam, if I did, okay, it would be the only thing that I've been talking about for the last seven years, okay? <laughs> you, who don't even like Jeff Jarrett, okay? Yeah. You disparage the good name of Double J repeatedly on this very show. And then you go and you post a picture of, like, oh, yeah, here's me in my Kevin Smith hockey jersey posing with one of Joe's favorite wrestlers. No big deal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so <laughs> what the hell what's the story like oh, i forgot about it uh you know happened 22 years ago 23 years ago must have slipped my mind okay so this is how the story uh, i gotta tell the story of, of how the picture got posted real quick and then i'll tell you what it's from but i was on facebook and i think it was in the major group somebody posted a picture of them like recently like from the last week or two getting choked in a mark picture by tyler main 
the guy who played Sabretooth, yeah. like, the Halloween movie, that kind of stuff. And I was like, you know what? I'm pretty sure I have the same exact picture with Tyler Maine, but it was from like 20-something years ago. So I'm scrolling through my phone, through my Google Photos, and for whatever reason, my photo album only goes back to like 2002. So I have to jump on my computer because I'm like, I have all my pictures still saved on my computer. And in there were all the Mark photos that I took when I went to Chicago in 2000 to Wizard World Chicago. Uh, So that was back when they were like a three-day comic book event. It was actually the first Wizard World show back, you know, before they did like shows all over the country. I believe Chicago was the first one. And I did not go for the meet and greets. I went to buy comics. There was some like toys that were going to be exclusive, some comic covers that were exclusive to that event. And I wanted to get a bunch of comic books signed because that's what I was into back in 2000. I was like, oh, I'm going to go to a show. These 20, 30 people are going to be there. I'm going to bring books to have them sign. So one of my targets was Joe Casada, who I have a Mark photo up with. Um, Steve Dillon and Garth Ennis were there. So I got a picture. Well, I got a picture with Joe Casada and Steve Dillon photobombed it. Uh, that's actually, I reached out to Todd for confirmation on that. But as I'm flipping through the photos, one of the pictures was Jeff Jarrett. Uh, and here's the thing. When I did the photo ops, I was looking for people that were either cheap, like Ray Park might have been like five bucks, ten bucks, I don't know. Tyler Maine might have been five bucks, I don't know. Um, but WCW had a booth, and Jeff Jarrett was there, and it was free. And Joe, aside from this picture of me and Jeff Jarrett, I have zero memory of meeting <laughs> Jeff Jarrett. If I didn't see this picture a couple days ago for the first time, and probably, I don't know, I might have seen it like 10 years ago, certainly the first time since we started this podcast, I would not believe you that I met him because I had zero conversation with him. I could tell you that much because I would probably remember if I said something to him or if he says something to me because I'm like a star fucker when it comes to that kind of stuff. Like I remember if a guy on television said something to me. So I think I just went to the front of the line, said, Hey, can I have a picture? He gave that half hearted smile that you could see in the picture. And I moved along somewhere in this house is probably that eight by 10. Um, I will find it. And if it's not personalized to Adam, uh, we'll talk, pal. Maybe that'll find its way to you. But hey, I have it is. a little rubbing alcohol. <laughs> You'll get that off. Man. Yeah. But I have zero memory of that. Like, I remember meeting every other person that's in these pictures. No memory of Jeff Jarrett. I don't know if he, like, touched me or something. Maybe I blocked it out. <laughs> right. He gave it, like, they, uh, the WCW people, they, like, mind-wiped you men in black style after <laughs> you met him, you know? Yeah. But when I found that, I was like, holy shit, I don't think Joe knows about this, so I'm going to tweet this out and break the internet. Oh, my goodness. It made it made my Sunday, I'll tell you that. <laughs> I'm glad. And that's proof right there that I did not conspire against Jeff Jarrett in the Gender Neutral Monarch Tournament. Well, yeah, again, I think that's proof that you did. But anyway, (laughs) and just to wrap things up real quick, I just have to say when Ed does his cosplay as Catgirl, WCW, Jeff Jarrett, I want the guitar to also have cat ears. I want it to say like the guitar should say like, uh, listen up, slap nuts, meow or something. Yep, that'll work. And like whiskers on the front, too, I think. Right. 
And I, I will say <laughs> this, at least I don't think that era of Double J strutted very much. Mm. He just like carried a guitar and wore those sunglasses and the you know, said choke on that slap nuts, you know? <laughs> yeah. All right, I'm looking forward to that that outfit, and I yes. will look for that eight by ten. Maybe maybe later on tonight when we're done. Cool, cool. All right. Uh, hey, uh, Adam, I assigned some homework this past week. You did. Homework. Homework. It's an obligation you owe your family and yourself. Home, home, homework. Homework, it's an obligation you owe your family and yourself. That's right. Joe assigned to me as part of his continuing documentation of the final days of Vince Russo booking before uh, he would go away for a little bit. WCW sold out 2000. Not the 2000th sold out, but from the year 2000. And if you haven't had a chance to watch this pay-per-view, or even if you had and you want a little bit more exposition, go to MassLibrary.com. Check out our good buddy Kevin as he uh, did a good write-up of this. And he has very similar feelings about this show as I do, Joe. But before we get started, do you have anything to say? Uh, Yeah, so uh, I want to correct Kevin and say that this event took place in Cincinnati, not Cleveland. Yep. Uh, that's number one. And number two, uh, I'll get this out of the way. Um, the version that Adam and I watched had the pre-show on it. Um, I know Adam did not watch the pre-show, but I did. Mm-hmm. And because I watched the pre-show and the entire event, this is why I have two handwritten notebook pages of notes <laughs> on this show. <laughs> um, so I'll just say this. Um, okay. So obviously, uh, you know, the, 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 as I had been teasing for the weeks that this, sh- this card, this event gets completely scrapped for the most part, right? Yeah. Uh, just real quick, we're going to go over the pre-show. Um, Tony Schiavone is the backstage reporter, and he tells us that Terry Funk has been in meetings with the WCW Championship Commi- Committee for four hours trying to reconstruct this show, right? <laughs> Good on Terry. Uh, we get pretty much all the same uh, promo videos that we see during the course of the pay-per-view. During the pre-show, we do get new interviews from Sid, where nothing much is said. DDP, where nothing much is said. Nash, where he says that his deputy commissioner is going to be Scott Hall. And Scott Hall's first act of business when Kevin Nash wins is that they're going to replace uh, all the Pepsis backstage with uh, Miller Lights. <laughs> all right, I can get behind that. And Tony Schiavone also could get behind that as well. He was very happy about that. Um, so, um, and we'll get to this into the pay-per-view, but, like, obviously it starts here on the pre-show. Even though uh, whoever wins the match of who the new commissioner is, it does not take place until the stroke of midnight, Adam. If Kevin Nash wins, the pay-per-view still can continue, and then it's exactly at the stroke of midnight not the wrestler who comes out with Booker's tea, but the actual time <laughs> on a clock is when Kevin Nash becomes the commissioner. That's a very important point, the stroke of midnight, for some reason, because they say it a bunch of times, right? Yeah. Um, we do get a Vampiro promo backstage where he is lazily attacked by Crowbar and David Flair. We're like, he's cutting a promo. They literally come over and push him, 
and then walk away. <laughs> and then uh, Vampiro's like, oh, these guys make me so mad. Oh, I want them both in a match tonight, right? Um, we also get a uh, eh, vaguely transphobic promo from Conan, which is, again, uh, if you thought he was uh, being serious, he was just joking around. Listen to his podcast. Um, so he makes his transphobic remarks. Um, the revolution come and attack him. And then literally within seconds, a stretcher is there to put him into an ambulance and take him away. To which I say, good. Mm-hmm. Right, okay. So that's the pre-show. All right. So on to the main show. Uh, we start off the show with the announcement that both Bret Hart and Jeff Jarrett are injured. And we will have tonight for the vacant WCW World Championship, Psycho Sid Vicious versus Chris Benoit. And they also announced that the United States title is vacated as well. But they don't have details on what's going to happen with that belt. And right, then not, s- as, not as important as a title. We'll worry about that later. And you said Psycho Sid Vicious. I think you could throw Psycho in front of Chris Benoit as well. <laughs> Allegedly. Come on. Where was... Uh... <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> Where was Kevin Sullivan trying to make heads or tails of this show? <laughs> all right. So, and they then spent like five minutes previewing the rest of the pay-per-view, like all the upcoming matches. And that's always bugged me. We're at this point, we've already paid for the pay-per-view. Let us know what changed, but you don't have to preview everything, especially like if it's all been stuff that's been advertised or talked about ad nauseum on tv but anyways that's just me nitpicking and i'll just throw this out here as well when they talk about bret hart and jeff jarrett being injured severely concussed Mm -hmm. they show the goldberg kicking bret hart from uh starcade like six times from like three different angles yeah and it didn't look that stiff i think bret hart looked like a glancing blow he should have put his hands up anyway anyway so first up we have the Revolution versus the Filthy Animals in a six-man tag. Oh, no, we don't. Uh, they show Conan was attacked by the Revolution during the pre-show. Right. And instead, we will have the Triple Threat Theater, which will be three matches all featuring Kidman. The first match is Kidman versus Dean Malenko in a catch-as-catch-can match. More on that in a moment. <laughs> Uh, Kidman versus Perry Saturn in a bunkhouse brawl. Hopefully they're wearing the proper attire. And finally, Kidman versus a mystery opponent in a cage match. And speaking of the pre-show, uh, the Vampiro, this is where it's in my notes here. So I'm going to talk about it. Vampiro was attacked during the pre-show by Crowbar and David Flair. Uh, on to the first match. So this is Kidman versus Malenko in a Flores Lava match. If your opponent touches the floor, they lose. Uh, At this point, I wrote in my notes, say what you want about WCW in 2000, but at least you can rely on people like Kidman and Malenko coming out in an opening match and giving it their all, you know, giving you something to set the pace of. Yeah, they're good for like a good eight to ten minute hot opener to really get the crowd amped up for what you're about to see for the rest of the show sort of thing, right? Exactly. But Dean Malenko being a heel, you know, he gets hit with some offense. He rolls, takes a powder out to the floor like two minutes into the match. And there's a moment of confusion because I don't even think Dean uh, realized what he did. And maybe if he did, he didn't. He sold it pretty well. But everybody kind of stood around and looked confused. Commentary was the first one to point out almost instantly that 
like, oh, Dean Malenko's eliminated. But, like, Dean was making his way back into the ring. The referee didn't even really call it at first. So I don't know if that was intentional. I'd like to think that it wasn't. But, like, very, very, very quickly into the match in an ultimate stinker that I'm sure won't be uh, improved upon in terribleness as we go into the show, Kidman wins the first match. So this is them renaming what was supposed to be the Dungeon Rules match that Benoit and Double J were supposed to have, where there's no ropes. Yeah. And the object is to keep it inside the ring, not to go outside the ring. That was absolutely Dean Malenko forgetting. Um, But I have a theory on that, maybe, and we'll save that for, like, two or three weeks from now. Um, But, yeah, this match goes, like, sub two minutes because Dean Malenko forgets the rules of the match. (laughs) Excuse me. Next up, we have David Flair versus Crowbar versus Vampiro, a three-way dance. We get a video recap showing how we got here. And the best part of that video recap, Joe, for a split second, (laughs) we got Miss Hancock! I was so excited about that few seconds. I was hoping she'd show up on the show, but she didn't. So it was all downhill from here. Um, We have a Vampiro interview, which was uh, backstage, and it was interrupted by Masahiro Chono. And then we get a Ric Ric Flair. Jeez, it might have been tolerable then. Uh, David Flair, Crowbar, and Daphne interview. And it really bugs me. Why doesn't Crowbar carry around the Crowbar? Like, David Flair has a Crowbar. But Crowbar has a lead pipe. It makes no sense. It would be so much easier to follow. Well, they showed you in the uh, history of this match that Daphne and David Flair met Crowbar working at a gas station. And and he says, some people call me Crowbar. David Flair was carrying around a Crowbar, and that's how they became friends. I mean, I can't argue that logic. It just would make more sense if Crowbar carried around a Crowbar. I don't know. But... So for this match starts off, Vampiro's fighting off a two-on-one attack because obviously Flair and Crowbar are, are, for the most part, a tandem offense. A little bit of one-upsmanship initially from Flair and Crowbar, but they're mostly working as a team. Um, basically, fatigue is starting to sit in as the grossly overrated Vampiro botches a face buster. And uh, Flair outs... I'm sorry. Um, something's wrong with my notes here, but basically Flair... Uh, puts Vampiro in a crowbar. Crow, uh, Jesus Christ. So much autocorrect in my notes here. Flair puts Vampiro in a figure four. Crowbar tries to make the pin. Dissension begins. Daphne gets involved. She no-sells a splash. Vampiro beats Flair with a, basically a body slam, but I guess he must have perfected the body slam, so it's very effective when he does it. So, Adam, there's no autocorrect on my handwritten notes, so I don't know what your problem is. Well, um, I'm also partially illiterate, but... Touche. Uh, <laughs> yeah. um, Vampiro, yes, is overrated. But I do feel as though the parts where it was just him and Crowbar doing silly shit, I thought that was a lot of fun. Uh, mm-hmm. David Flair might be the most unnatural in-ring performer in the history of professional wrestling. He just looks confused. I know that's supposed to be part of his gimmick. His offense horrible. He doesn't do a single thing well. And he just looks uncomfortable doing the most basic of things at a professional wrestling match. And when Vampiro, who's a pretty big guy, by all standards, just splashes Daphne in the corner, Daphne then just no-sells it. 
Yep. Casually walks out, stands on the apron, and then does nothing while Crowbar gets pinned. <laughs> WCW, everybody. Yeah. And I'll tell you one thing David Flair did right, and that's Stacey Keebler. So good on him. <laughs> like, who are we to judge him? <laughs> now, but. before before you get to the next part, I know that I, I absolutely know this is not in your notes. They show Buff arriving into the building. Uh huh. And Buff is in the most late 90s, early 2000 pro wrestler fit as he is wearing a leather Kangol hat, a tucked into his warm-up pants, button-up denim shirt (laughs) while wearing a fanny pack and carrying his roller bag behind him. Like, if you said, show me a brother coming to the building, dude, that's the picture that you would show them. Yeah, it's a it's a dictionary example. <laughs> All right, so next, uh, I, here's the thing: if you, I hope you like interviews backstage because this pay per view sure is filled with a bunch of them. Sometimes multiple ones back to back to back. Um, but we have Mean Gene interviewing the Mamalukes and Disco Inferno. The WWE really needs to establish some kind of continuity and reveal that they're all part of the same crime family as Tony Pepperoni. I think that would really help with NXT. Um, but they are going to face the Bad Place Hall of Famers, Ronald and Donald Harris. Uh, Big Vito and Johnny the Bull uh, will be facing the Harris brothers. Um, the Mamelukes are interacting with the crowd kind of like faces, and the crowd is backing them. But they're also trying to get Disco to cheat, and Disco's reluctant. Are the Harris brothers supposed to be faces in this? This is very confusing because all of them are unlikable. This match is bad. Uh, it's boring. It's long. It's longer than the first two matches combined. Uh, at one point, Shivani says that he uses the tattoos on the Harris's to tell who's who. So uh, which one has the SS logo? I don't know. Maybe both. Uh, eventually, Disco like interferes somehow and the Mamelukes win. I, I'm not sure I was, wasn't paying attention at that point. Uh, yeah, so this is a heel versus heel match. This was a special added attraction match. Um, and this is a, the most unnecessary match that I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, Tony, I have that in my notes as well, that Tony can tell the Harris brothers apart by their tattoos. And I'm like, they both have SS tattoos. How do you <laughs> tell them apart from that? Anyway. Yeah. Um, and there's a bit where, like, Disco doesn't want to interfere, but they want him to interfere. So what actually happens is Disco does interfere, and he sh- his attempt is to shove Vito off the top rope and make him miss, but he shoves him so hard that he makes him do a move into the finish of the match. Okay. They're not convoluted at all. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely not. All right, so backstage we see Medusa and Spice talking, getting ready for their match. Sup, Spice. Uh, and we have Oklahoma versus Medusa for the WCW Juicerweight title. Oklahoma has the belt. He comes out, cuts an anti-woman promo, looking more of a legit pro wrestler than Tyrus does. Like, he actually looks better in that uh, siglet than than the NWA champion. But uh, I'm not really sure if Oklahoma is any worse in this match than Medusa. Like, Medusa throws, like, maybe two good kicks, but for the most part, 
I get that she's working with somebody who doesn't know what they're doing, but you couldn't tell that she had all of this experience in this match. Um, honestly, with the amount of slow motion, sloppy offense in this match, you would think that they were studying Veda Scott matches to prepare. Um, <laughs> but at one point, Oklahoma goes outside, tries to get the barbecue sauce bottle involved, and it was a plastic bottle. So I don't know how much damage it could have done, but Spice stops them. Then Asia comes out and throws Oklahoma back in the ring. Uh, Oklahoma, like, pulls on Medusa's, like, not her trunks, but, like, the thing covering her trunks and ends up, like, rolling her up, you know, in the distraction and actually wins the cruiserweight belt. So three women at rings, or two women at ringside, one in the ring who is supposed to be by this time a women's wrestling legend against, like, a fat non-wrestler who has been a chauvinist for months and a piece of shit since, like, the start of WCW, like, the Russo Ferreira era. And wouldn't you know it, he certainly got his comeuppance by actually winning the WCW Cruiserweight title. But after the match, the women, who really don't seem to care about the loss of the belt, just go and pour barbecue sauce down the front of Oklahoma Siglet, and that's it. So, uh, not to, def- again, you're putting me in a position where I have to defend a bunch of deplorable people on this uh, show here. <laughs> but I, I- if you see the picture, Ed Ferrara actually was an independent wrestler in the mid to late 90s under the name Beautiful Bruce Bodine. As you could see, his uh, Larry Sweeney-esque knockoff gimmick that he was doing. So he was a trained worker, right? Okay. But he wasn't like a regular worker. Like Vince Russo did one day of wrestling training with his good buddy, Big Vito, right? So Vince Russo could always throw it in everyone's face. Bro, I trained to be a wrestler, bro. Yeah. Um, but you know, listen, this match stunk out loud, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, the way that TV had presented things at no point up until the pay-per-view were we told that Oklahoma had stolen the belt from Medusa. I just thought he had previously beaten her for the belt. And now she was trying to get the belt back. Not that she was the cruiserweight champion and she was trying to get the physical possession of the belt back from Oklahoma. Um, again, this is a very bad and confusing angle, and I will say, uh, it did make, even though he was no longer doing the horribly insulting impersonation of Jim Ross, I do like that Oklahoma's gear had the okay in the same look and font of the WWE Attitude Era logo. Yeah, the old scratch logo. Yeah. Ah, uh, uh, next up we have Mean Gene interviewing the hardcore champ Brian Snugs. Uh, Snugs puts over his mentor Fit Finley, even though they've been fighting recently. And we have a four-way hardcore title match of Knobs versus Fit Finley versus Screaming Norman Smiley versus Mang. Uh, I am sure, obviously, with this being a hardcore title, that this is going to be a bloodbath. I expect light tubes. I expect skewers, uh, paper cuts, all that kind of stuff. Um, but I was sorely mistaken. And if you are a fan of paper thin garbage cans and garbage can lids being used repeatedly, this might be your dream match. Uh, fit and Brian Dudley get the tables fit and Norman decide to go fight in the crowd. And then 15 seconds later, change their minds. Eventually knobs hits smiley with the police shield and retains. I'm not even sure if the table got involved, but I'll tell you what this Brian knobs guy, this kid's got a bright future. 
Um, yeah, 20-year vet Brian Knobs finally coming into his own. Um, this was a fun little plunder match of the era, right? This is what a hardcore match was on TV for this time. Uh, I did like Norman coming out in the full SWAT gear, which shows yeah. he's the OG member of the Shield. Um, <laughs> they ripped Norman off. I can't believe that they would do that. I want somebody to remix the Shield music where it's like Sierra Hotel, India Echo, Lima Delta Shield, and then just have him go ah like him screaming at the end. Uh, somebody get on that. But next we have in the second match of the triple threat of Fear, Doom, White Castle, whatever, uh, Kidman versus Perry Saturn in a bunkhouse brawl. Neither is wearing the proper bunkhouse attire. Uh, Kidman's wearing a t-shirt, but that doesn't count because he always wears that. And because WCW can't do anything right, these guys proceed to have a mostly like normal in-ring match. Like there's very little actual things that would warrant this being a bunkhouse brawl. I'd say that 95% of it is just wrestling, but Saturn eventually gets a table from underneath the ring apron, revealing that WCW rings were built with like giant four by four wooden support beams. So that's interesting. Uh, Saturn eventually belly to belly suplexes Kidman out to the outside through a table. Kidman hits his head on the, the hardest part of the ring. And that was sick. Uh, shortly thereafter, Kidman gets up and ends up winning, uh, thanks to Little Nate and his let's end this shit fast count. <laughs> well, he, he hit Saturn with the you can't powerbomb Kidman. Yeah. <laughs> and this match was good. These are two good wrestlers. I just think, uh, you know, they were put in a rough spot to go out there and have a match build as a bunkhouse match and then do no bunkhouse stuff. Yeah. Um, but, you know, obviously Kidman, he's two wins into the triple threat theater. You know, I'm sure Malenko and Saturn uh, are going to look great uh, the next night on Nitro when they get their comeuppance and, you know, some nice even Steven booking for these guys, right? Yeah, like, honestly, I, I'm watching this pay-per-view, and there's we'll get to it in a moment, but I'm like, man, I cannot wait to see, you know, like, what's up next for Benoit, what's up next for Malenko, Saturn, like, where's Eddie Guerrero been? Like, all these guys, I hope they all have a hot nitro, but we'll they see. They showed Eddie Guerrero in the promo package building up the Filthy Animals uh, versus uh, Revolution program, but at least in the, like, two weeks worth of stuff that we've been watching, Eddie Guerrero hasn't been on TV or really mentioned at all. Yeah, no, I mean, neither has Sting, neither has Luger, neither has Goldberg. No, I mean, remember they were uh, Sting and uh, Luger run Thunder, remember? Oh, well, the fact that they're not on a pay-per-view, that's always good. There's a thing that a lot of guys aren't on this (laughs) pay-per-view. It's not going to work for me, brother. Um, Also, I mean, Hogan, we can go on. But anyways, so next we have a vignette, like a little video package. Stevie Ray went back to his old neighborhood to interact with, like, his old childhood neighborhood friends. Booker T's too good for this. Yada, yada, yada. Uh, Then we get Mean Gene interviewing Booker T, you know, in the back. He says all the stuff about... You know, this is going to be the last time I'm going to fight Stevie Ray. It, it's all the same shit that's been going on for the last couple of weeks. But we go down to the ring. Booker T comes out. And, hey, even more mic time for Booker T because he cuts a promo in the ring. He sends Booker or he sends Midnight to the back. Uh, easy, quick payday for her for the most part. They have a match. Uh, didn't pay much attention. Really nothing happens in this. Booker hits the rock bottom and is about to win. When Juice makes sugar, Ahmed Johnson comes out and interferes. Uh, but it wasn't actually Ahmed Johnson. It was, we know that guy. Who's that? 
Who's that? I know who that is. And eventually he was identified as Big T. He hits the Pearl River Plunge a couple times on Booker T. Cuts a riveting promo with Stevie. And they declare themselves the new Harlem Heat. Uh, so Booker T's gear was super unflattering. Okay. Uh, I really hated it. It did not look good. I don't think he ever wears it again after this pay-per-view. Um, I also thought that the the video package of Stevie Ray going back to their old hometown was like it painted Stevie Ray like almost as a baby face in it, you know, yeah. like all, everybody was happy to see him. He was helping all these people out. He was going back to their visiting stomping grounds. He was saying like, Booker, you don't come here. You don't visit our, you know, our friends and our family, even though Booker T does tell everyone that just like Stevie, he's from 110th street in Harlem where they're actually from, you know, Texas. But again, let's not get, let the truth get in the way of a good wrestling angle. Um, there's a million different ways they could have done that promo package for Stevie going back. And the way that they aired it was the absolute worst way that they could have done it. Yeah, like he could have been like going up to these guys and been like, I'm here. Booker T's not here. And they could have been like, oh, Booker was just here last week. He actually was helped fixing up a park down the street. You know, something like right. that. Right. Well, there's a million <laughs> different things that they could have done, you know? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So going back to the Mean Gene interview showcase, he's now interviewing Sid. And uh, they're talking about Sid's good friend, Chris Benoit, who he'll be facing later on. Sid whispers a bunch of stuff, and that's it for that promo. We go down to the ring. And, Joe, this is the match I've been looking forward to. It is Tank Abbott versus Jerry Flynn in a shoot fight or shooter rule fight, whatever. Uh, But it's two legitimate tough guys. We'll see what happens. Um, honestly, if Jerry Flynn was any more of an insignificant footnote in the history of wrestling, he'd be booked for a signing at the wrestling universe. Like that's how insignificant he is. But after a little bit of back and forth, Tank Abbott ends up uh, knocking out Flynn, uh, might've been the best match of the pay-per-view so far, to be honest with you, but it should have been like a brawl for all match. Like, I think that would have been very fitting for Russo just to have them go out there and actually fight. But for well, Russo's was, gone. Russo's done, you know? Okay. Yeah, no, I get you. I was just thinking, like, it's still got the stink of Russo on the company. Sure. I'll say this. Uh, Jerry Flynn runs a very successful plumbing company in the greater Florida area and is very happy to no longer be involved in any way, shape, or form in professional wrestling. Good for him. Uh, next up, we have uh, Diamond Dallas Page versus Buff Bagwell in a Kimberly's birthmark on a pole match. Uh, actually, last man standing match because the rest of the show has just been filled with too many traditional matches, and this will mix it up a bit. Uh, we get a little bit of a walk and brawl into a, a tarped off area where they both fall down and take a very long time to get back up. Uh, they end up going down to the ring briefly and then are like, nah, let's walk and brawl some more. Uh, and oh no, they go to the WCW.com desk. They end up smashing some giant CRT monitors. Uh, DDP hit buff with a 56K modem. Uh, Buff ends up climbing up the wall, like the website logo wall, and dives onto DDP through a table. Where's the referee? Shouldn't he be counting at this point? Uh, nope. It actually, DDP gets up in a split second from that table shot. And it turns out that the referee will only count the, like the last man standing count if the wrestler is in the ring. Mm-hmm. Um, this match isn't horrible. Uh, I, I guess, 
for what we're seeing. Like, it's actually not bad. It's not good, but it's not like the worst thing I've seen so far. Um, remember when Buff Bagwell called her into our voicemail? That was cool. Um, <laughs> but Buff ends up hitting DDP with his shoe. And if that was Matt Derline, Buff would never hear the end of it. Uh, eventually, Kimberly comes out. And Bobby Heenan says, yeah, but whose side is she on? And screw you, Kevin. I have that in my notes, too. You don't get to take credit for that. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, I guess the ref was counting when the, 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 the camera was focusing on Kimberly. And DDP, uh, I'm sorry, Buff wins because of the boot or something. The camera didn't catch it. And then afterwards, DDP beats down Buff post-match. Uh, this match started out lazy. And then in like the second and third acts, like both guys like really turned it up and worked hard like like almost as though there was a new booking regime at wcw that they were trying to impress um i noticed that buff was wearing yellow and red brother brother (laughs) um and i liked the the, i thought the bit where they both picked up the crt monitors at the same time and threw them at each other at the same time and they both crashed into into each other at the same time i thought that was a cute spot yeah all right next we get the huge payoff of the filthy animals versus revolution battle. The thing that's been right. uh, obviously clogging up, clogging up a ton of TV time over the last couple weeks of WCW. And that is Billy Kidman versus mystery opponent in a hell in a cell match, Joe. Hell now, no place to stick one. What now again, it's supposed to be a cage match anyway, right? Yeah. Um, for the, the Benoit and double J stuff. So they had the cage there anyway. And listen, Adam, I like Shane Douglas, right? Oh, sure. You like Shane Douglas, right? I do. You know, that era 1994 to 1996, you know, outside of the three-month period where it was Dean Douglas? Like, he was pretty goddamn awesome, right? Coolest motherfucker in wrestling as far yeah. as, like, 16-year-old Adam thought. Yeah. 2000 Shane Douglas? Not so much, right? <laughs> yeah. So I'm watching the show, and I'm like, oh, my God, could this be the worst promo that Shane Douglas has ever cut? And I will say to you, dear listener, I'll let you be the judge. Billy Kidman, take a look around at all these jabronis and wave goodbye. Jabronis. <laughs> the revolution told you, jackasses, that we were taking you out. And the first time we may have underestimated you, shut up. But this time, Kidman, we'll not underestimate it. Guerrero never knew what hit him. Mysterio was laid out all nice and pretty by Perry Saturn as he dropped from the bowels of the building and put him out. See you later, Mysterio. Conan, that's enough. Never made it to the ring tonight, thanks to yours truly, the revolution. And Duggan, we haven't forgotten about your ass either. Hell's that? Hey, Kidman, <laughs> when the revolution does something, they love to do it in a big, big way. I said we have a mystery partner for tonight. Well, ladies and gentlemen, sit your welfare asses down. Welfare. And put your hands together. This is basically an MJF promo. The big surprise that's whooping your ass and taking you out, you cock. Roach. 
is none other embarrassing than the wall. Uh oh. <laughs> Buddy, about oh, it's the wall, wall, brother. But <laughs> when I heard Shane Douglas deliver that you cock dramatic pause roach line, I was so embarrassed for him. <laughs> what a fucking garbage promo that was. And all of that, all of this TV time, all of these matches built up so Billy Kidman can take on the wall, brother. Yeah. But as much of a disappointment as it is to have the wall be the announcement for the super hyped up Hell in a Cell match, at least this is going to be the culmination of this storyline. You know, Billy Kidman, against all odds, you know, he he's facing his third opponent of the night, each match more hellacious than the last. As long as it's telling that story where, he, you know, this underdog can get over, I'm sure it's all going to be worth it. Um, but... At this point, like, I- I'm watching this match, and just let me catch up on my notes since you played that vignette, so it's a little bit, uh, or that promo, so it's a little out of whack. But they announced the wall. Uh, the crowd goes absolutely mild. Uh, WCW wins the war at this point. You know, forget The Rock, forget Stone Cold. WCW whips out the wall. Uh, and, oh, boy, the arena must have made a ton of concession money that night, I'll tell you. Uh, but eventually, the, the wall rams and then press slams Kidman into the cage. And that's it. Like, that's the only time there was two blows into the cage wall. And they weren't even, like, hellacious blows. Again, it was, it was a, a ramming of his back. And then a press slam. And that was the only time the cage came into play. Like, why did they bring this giant monstrosity and spend all the time building it and rigging it if it's going to be used in one spot? Like, or like two moves in one spot. But eventually, uh, the wall choke slams Kidman for one, two. I'm sure there's going to be a kick out any second now. Three. The wall wins. So everything was for nothing. The Kidman Kidman doesn't come out of this looking like a star. I guess the wall looks good, but I mean, he really took advantage of a, a tiny guy who's already wrestled two matches already. So what does it do for him? Uh, yeah, WCW, everybody. Adam, two things I will say. Uh, one, uh, if get ready for more the wall over these next few months of us watching this era of WCW. And two, you know what the most egregious thing about the Billy Kidman versus Dean Malenko match? The Billy Kidman versus Perry Saturn match. Billy Kidman versus the Wall match. You know what the most egregious thing about those matches were, Adam? What's that? During this time, do you know who Billy Kidman was managed by? Corey Wilson. Conspicuous by her absence tonight at the pay-per-view as well. We could have got three Tory Wilson appearances, but instead we get zero. And also, you have a a bootleg Hell in a Cell match, a bunkhouse brawl match, a hardcore match, a catch-as-catch-cans match, all of these violent, extreme matches that might offend a censor or two, especially if highlights of these matches are shown on the network. So we could have got Miss Hancock multiple times coming out being angry, taking notes, and storming away. It would have been the best. I will say, she was standing in practices for the television networks. Pay-per-view was fair game, but I get what you're saying. I, I, yeah, I, I, I mean, she's there spying. Like, obviously, they gotta show clips of this on the shows. Right. Not happy. Per- oh, goddamn WCW. 
All right. At this point in the pay-per-view, I- I'm thinking to myself, I'll talk, I'll talk. Just make this stop. Make the torture end. Uh, but there was still like almost an hour or 40 minutes left. Uh, but we have next up Kevin Nash versus Terry Funk in a hardcore match. Uh, obviously, this hardcore match, completely different from the bunkhouse brawl and completely different from the hardcore title match. And all the other freaking matches that were uh, like some type of extreme rules. But if Terry Funk wins, the NWO will disband all two of them. If Kevin Nash wins, he's a WCW commissioner. Right off the rip, they're brawling. Nash hits Funk with some unprotected chair shots. Jackknifes him through the announcer's table. Uh, at that point, we learn that Funk once again loves the business, hits himself a gusher. Nash grabs a mic, says that if Funk can crawl into the ring, uh, you know what? He can go ahead and just keep the commissioner job. Uh, eventually, Funk answers the call, gets in the ring. Nash says, I'm a liar. Shouldn't have trusted me. Nash beats up Funk for a while. Uh, like I said, good thing that they saved this kind of physicality for this match, and we didn't have tons of it during the earlier part of the show. Um, I don't know, Joe, do you want some more unprotected chair shots to the head? Sure. Funk would love to help you with that. Um, eventually the resilient rookie Terry Funk fights back, sets up like a little construction site of chairs in the ring, but guess who's taking those chairs? It's Terry Funk because Nash hits Funk in the dick and then Jack knifes him through all the tables for the win. And Kevin Nash is now the commissioner and absolutely again, the Bret Hart's gone. Like, he's nowhere to be found. He's out injured. Jeff Jarrett's out injured. Storyline Steiner's out with a concussion. You know, so Nash is the only one who's healthy. But didn't, like, Terry Funk, like, a day ago have this big posse of old-age outlaws? And it is a hardcore match. And I get Terry Funk's a man of pride. But at a certain point, you got to come out and protect your guy. Uh, But, no, none of it happens. Uh, And, again, Nash is the commissioner. I love Kevin Nash. One of the best to ever do it. I can't say nothing bad about Kevin Nash. I no. love Terry Funk. One of the best to ever do it. I can't say nothing about bad about Terry Funk. Yep. Let's move on to the next thing. <laughs> no, I will, right. I will say this. Um, Aaron Anderson in his promo does reference exactly what you're mentioning here was that he would have come out to help Terry Funk, but he was preparing for his duties as the referee of the main event for the world title, realizing how important the world title is to WCW. At the stroke of midnight, Nash and the NWO may be in charge of WCW, but as long as the title is with someone from WCW not one of the two people currently living in the NWO then (laughs) there's still hope for the WCW gotcha and speaking of that backstage interview Arn says that Funk lost to Kevin Van and I like the sound of that Uh, Big Kev give me a call Uh, (laughs) but we have our main event now it is Chris Benoit versus bootleg Josh Bishop a.k.a. Sid Vicious, for the vacant WCW title with Arn Anderson as the referee. Uh, I looked at the time. There was 25 minutes left, and I said, no, thank you. At this point, I have already been emotionally and spiritually broken. I'm going to fast forward a little bit. We rejoined the match already in progress to see that the locker room has been emptied and is watching from the top of the ramp, eager to see which one of these young lions will pick up the win. Benoit hits a totally safe headbutt from the top rope. Sid basically no-sells it uh, and then chokeslams Benoit. But Benoit's foot is under the rope, which breaks up the count. 
Uh, I'm sure that'll be the only time that that matters in this match. Benoit puts Sid in the crippler crossface. Uh, Sid's feet are under the ropes, but he taps anyways. Arn didn't see it. Commentary, even Bobby Heenan didn't see it or mention it. Uh, and despite the fact that the camera took a, like a really good look at it, like, uh, like, Hey guys, did you see this type of camera move? But regardless, Benoit is your champion. Long may he reign. Um, this was probably like at least top three, one of Sid's best matches. Okay. Um, I really thought these two worked together well. Um, I, I will, I did find it funny that they announced Chris Benoit at six foot one. Wink. <laughs> and Sid at uh six foot eleven. Wink. But still he looked like a giant monster over um uh whatchamacallit over Benoit in this matchup. And Adam, we've gone through the litany of people from your Tory Wilsons to your Miss Hancocks to your Rick Flairs, your Lex Lugers, your Stings, your Hulk Hogan's that are not here at this pay-per-view. But you know who's at this pay-per-view catch collecting a pay- paycheck? Mm. Michael Buffer. Yep. <laughs> fuck, fuck Michael Buffer. As he's doing the introductions, he mentions that Chris Benoit is the master of the Crippler. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, yeah. I did like the bit of the locker room sellout. I think that attempt, like, it, it wasn't something that you ever saw in American wrestling um, to see, like, heels and baby faces come out, kind of like putting their allegiances aside to come out and bear witness in person to the importance of this match to determine who the vacated world champion is going to be. And yes, of course, playing into, and we'll get to, we'll talk more about it when we get to the episode of Nitro after this, which will be, what, three weeks from now, I think? Something like that. But it was a very deliberate moment to have the uh, pin broken up with the foot under the rope but the submission not broke it up with the foot under the rope, okay? Mm -hmm. So, um, as we've talked in these episodes, Russo and Ferreira are out. Kevin Sullivan is back in as Booker of WCW. Kevin Sullivan, who had been ousted from the Booker job two years prior due to a heavy drug uh, addiction, and obviously the contentious relationship between him and Chris Benoit, because Chris Benoit shoot stole his wife Nancy from him. Mm. So Benoit and Malenko and Guerrero and Perry Saturn and Conan and Billy Kidman and Rey Mysterio and Shane Douglas were all ready to walk over this. Mm-hmm. And as a show of good faith, they booked the show to have Benoit win the title. And then Nitro the next night happens. And we'll get there in three weeks. Yeah. And obviously just to wrap up the show, because like having Benoit, the new champion, celebrating in the ring is not a perfect way to close a pay-per-view. And also because hell is real, we finished the show with another Mean Gene interview backstage, this time with a very sweaty and out of breath Benoit. Um, And I'm sure this could have been saved for Nitro, but uh, no, let's tack it on at the end. Arn Anderson says that, uh, you know, he shows up, he says he's proud to be part of WCW. 
which, as you said, I'm sure Benoit is as well. Nash comes in and says that the NWO is getting the belt back at the strike of midnight. His uh, Benoit's life is going to be a living hell. And at this point, mercifully, the show is over, as is this homework assignment. Okay. Was this show good? Absolutely not. Okay. <laughs> Was this show as bad as you guys were making it out to be? Yeah. Absolutely not. This what? might be the worst thing ever in homework. I don't know. Some of those movies you made me watch were pretty. I'll, I'll, you know what? I'll watch Sold Out again before any Miz movie. How about that? <laughs> so when I have to watch the Marine Five, I'm gonna make you watch this again as Walk penance. Come right. On, Spoilers for Patreon. Come on. <laughs> but you had to have watched this show to know how we get to the next three months of WCW. Like this show is such a crucial moment in wrestling history. No, and you. Yeah. You know, we had to watch this. Yeah. Yeah. We had to take our medicine. I know. I know. But Joe, as you pointed out, obviously this was the last show homework on the show proper in the future. All of these segments will be on our Patreon tier, but there will be no show homework next week because WWE has a pay-per-view this weekend. Oh, that I do know. Sammy Zane's kicking down to the ring. It's Kofi Kingston doing his thing. Ruby Soho. Beyond the show. Brian Danielson. No, no, no. Is it the big dog's yard? Let's find out. Does Joe know the card? That's right, Joe. This Saturday, the World Wrestling Entertainment will be holding a premium live event entitled Elimination Chamber. And according to Wikipedia, the most trusted source of all wrestling news and information, there are five announced matches at Elimination Chamber. Joe, do you know the card? Probably not, oh. but all right. Let's let's give it a whirl, okay? Yep. Uh, obviously, I know we got Roman and Sammy for the undisputed Universal Title, right? Yep. Uh, we have Edge uh, and Beth Phoenix against uh, Finn Balor and uh, Rhea Ripley, right? Yep. We have the two Elimination Chamber matches. Now, the women's match, I know is to see who takes on Bianca at WrestleMania, right? Um yes. Or okay. is B- or like so I don't okay, so or is Bianca I don't think Bianca's no, in no. a match, right? She's not. Yeah, I was just misreading it. Yeah, so it's winner faces uh the gets a women's style shot, a raw women's style shot at Mania. So, so now I have to name the people that are in that match? Sure do. Oh boy. Okay. I know Oscar's in it cuz she's winning it, right? <laughs> yeah. Um I think I only know th- okay. Liv Morgan's in it for sure. Yep. Carmella's in it. Yep. Is Raquel Rodriguez in it? She is. Okay. And that's four. And there's six people in it, right? Correct. Okay. Nikki Cross? That's five. The person that you're forgetting is also the person in a million years wouldn't win this. Every woman on the roster? <laughs> I'm going to guess someone stupid like Lacey Evans. Uh, 
I'd say probably further down, not as bad as Lacey Evans, but further down the card in WWE's eyes. I have no clue. Natalia. Ah, okay. Why did I think Natalia was mixed up with whatever they're doing with Ronda and uh, Shayna Baszler? Probably because she is and nothing matters. <laughs> okay. I thought, okay, anyway. Now, the men's elimination chamber match. I can't remember if it's for the U.S. title or if it's for who gets the shot at the U.S. title at WrestleMania, okay? It is for the U.S. title. Okay, so that tells me Austin Theory is in it, right? Yep. Okay, so Austin Theory is in it for sure. Um, Seth is in it. Seth freaking Rollins, yep. Right, Seth Franklin Rollins. <laughs> um. Damian Priest is in it, which is dumb. <laughs> That's to get DJ's eyes on the show. Bronson Reed is in it. Yep. Little Johnny's in it. Yep. And I'm just trying to think of, like, from the qualifying matches, like, who won and lost them. And I. Is Bobby Lashley in it? He is not. Who's the sixth guy in the Elimination Chamber? Montez Ford. Oh, okay. Good for him. Yeah. Uh, none of those guys are winning. Austin Theory is retaining, and that sucks. <laughs> True. And you say there's a fifth match on the card? There is. <sighs> okay, so I know it's not the tag titles because Jay can't, or Jimmy or Jay can't get into the, uh, out of the country. Well, no, no, no. Roman told him to stay home and watch the, the show. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, are they doing like I know Kevin Owens hasn't been on TV lately. Um did they do the finals for the tag tournament thing on SmackDown? Uh if they did, I didn't see it, but that's irrelevant to what the the last match is. Hmm. Are they doing Gunter versus someone for the Intercontinental title maybe? Uh I'm sure they will, but that's not the fifth announced match. I have no clue what the fifth announced match is. Well, you already named one of the people mistakenly in the Elimination Chamber, and one of the people is Bobby Lashley. Okay. Versus Brock Lesnar. They're doing that at Elimination Chamber? Sure are, according to Wikipedia, and that's what we go by. That sounds like a WrestleMania match. Yeah, well. I think somebody fucked up. Well, somebody at WWE might have fucked up, but uh, Wikipedia says it. So uh, it says the con. Let's see. This prompted Lesnar to attack Lashley with two F5s. A contract signing for the match occurred the following week, and Lashley laid out Lesnar. He signed the contract to make it official. So apparently, this is like their shit that set it up. I don't know. Okay. So if that's happening in Elimination Chamber, they're going to do some sort of like weird fuck non finish to do a rematch at WrestleMania. Possibly, you know. Okay. <sighs> what a great show. <laughs> hey, listen, I'm intrigued to see what they're going to do with Sammy and Roman, right? That's all I care about, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to be happy with the result, but I'm going to watch it. Um, Do I work myself into a shoot over the next two days and trick myself that Sammy's going to win? I don't know, do you? <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I'm not going to get, like, upset about it. Like, I'm not going to be upset if Roman wins, and I'm not going to be upset if Sammy wins. 
I think I think best case scenario because if you go into this thinking the Sami Zayn's going to win the world title at Elimination Chamber, you you're setting yourself up for a major disappointment. I think best case scenario is it looks like Sami's going to win, but Roman wins by some kind of fuck finish which causes the fans to get even more behind Sammy and somehow cause Sammy to get interjected into the WrestleMania match. I think that's your, your, it doesn't mean he's going to win at mania, but at least let him have that moment of being on mania. And this is the only path to get him there. Hmm. I hate fantasy booking, (laughs) but we do it every paper, but we do it every week. Yes. Um, I have a thought. I have a speculation of what they could do. Right? You you do the match. It's a heated affair, brawling all around, whatever. And it gets to a point where like Roman hits the spear, he hits the Superman punch, he hits whatever, and Sammy just keeps kicking out. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Roman's just like fuck this. And he goes and he gets a chair and he just waffles Sammy in plain view of the referee, gets himself disqualified, right? Yeah. Uh, Adam Pierce comes out and says, this is the main event, world title, can't have the match finished this way. Match is restarted, right? All right, Roman picks him back up, bip, 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 bip. Sammy gets a little bit of a flurry via offense. Roman just shuts him right back down. Sammy kicks out one more time. Roman says, fuck this, and he goes to leave. He tells the referee, count me out. Adam Pierce stops him in the aisle way. No, no, no. Match can't end this way. If you don't get back into the ring, you're stripped of the titles. Oh, my goodness. Roman's fighting with fucking Pierce. Gets up in his face, maybe. They're on the ring apron. Maybe a little physicality between him and Adam Pierce. That allows Sammy to hit the Haluva kick. Boom, Sammy wins. You get that hometown pop, right? You want to show the people that this is not uh vince's company anymore actually have the hometown hero win in his hometown main event of the pay-per-view right Mm -hmm. roman win roman loses sammy goes off he's the champ right so now your wrestlemania main event is cody versus sammy you can go one of two ways you do the rematch on smackdown this week or after and you have roman win the belts back go back to where we were before now that the Usos can be freely interfering and everything else like that, or Paulie pulls his shenanigans and we don't get Sammy put into the match to make it as a three-way, we get Roman put into the match to make it a three-way. We get to the same destination, it's just we take like a little different path to get there. Yeah. No, I mean, I like that. The only thing I can't see, it, other than them giving us a satisfying result, uh, is the fact that over the last six, seven months, it's been established that Adam Pierce kind of cowers to Roman. You know, like, Roman's the guy who's above any kind of rules or mandates from the WWE. You know, the tribal chief, the head of the table, all that stuff. Well, let's turn it on its ear uh, for the pay-per-view, huh? Gotcha. And I'll, I'll just say this, from a business standpoint, uh, you know, obviously, you know, WWE has been open back up touring for a little while now. I think this is their first time back in Montreal in quite some time. I guess from a business standpoint, if they don't have Sammy win the belt or win that match, they're going to kill that fucking town dead and they'll never be able to run in Montreal again. Or they'll pull some shit where he'll win by by count out 
and then get like the Lex Luger treatment where he's carried out on people's shoulders, <laughs> you know, and he's like, yeah, I beat Roman by count out. Yay. Dude, if they do that, that would be like the most, that would be worse than Sammy losing. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Ugh. All right. Do we have voicemails? Joe? We have a, we have a ton of voicemails. Let's get into it. Yeah. Hey there, Adam, Joe, it's the other JP here. Thank you for your recommendations about uh, Sandman, match-wise. Um, always great to see some McFoley in there. Uh, always love going back and seeing some of his stuff. That uh, match with uh, Sandman and Kevin Nash—that was uh, that was certainly something. Um, I've always been uh, fascinated by uh, Big Sexy. Uh, you and me both. When I first started um, watching wrestling at my house. Um, I came to find out that uh, my grandfather watched a lot, and you know my parents were like, eh, didn't understand why." And apparently, uh, uh, Big Daddy Cool uh, Diesel was his favorite. So I will uh, ask y'all for what you've got um, in the realm of uh, Diesel. I know about his uh, matches with uh, Sean and Brett, but I'm wondering uh, what you've got outside of there. All right, thank you. Oh. Can I, can I just say, like, non-match-wise, uh, and, and again, I don't know what's, for me and you to talk about something, like, there's very little that we, uh, if you mention something about Nash, I probably at least have seen it. I might not be an expert on it, but I don't know what anybody else has seen. So, other GB, if you haven't seen it yet, go out of your way to search for Kevin Nash, TNA Wrestling, Paparazzi Production Segments. Those should be the top of everybody's list. Yeah, and that's it's so tough to say because outside of Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels, um, and again, I love Kevin Nash, but Kevin Nash wasn't really much of a match guy. He was a moments guy, you know? Yeah. Um, I'll throw one out there, and it's a little bit of a cheat um, because it's not against Shawn, but uh, it's referred to by some from 95 as the Miracle Match. It's Sean and Diesel as the tag team champions taking on Razor and the Kid. It's from the very first episode of Action Zone. Uh, an unbelievable match, right? Okay. Um, I'll even say maybe uh, Diesel versus uh, Razor at SummerSlam, where Razor wins the belt back from Diesel, the Intercontinental title back from Diesel. Um, other than that, like I said, Nash ain't much of a match guy. But he ends up in his TNA run, and I don't remember the date on it. Like I said, WWE stuff, WCW stuff, I'm good. But, like, dates on TNA stuff, there was a pay-per-view main event of Samoan Joe versus Kevin Nash. And for no reason whatsoever, Nash decides to, like, do a five-alarm, like, crazy I-love-the-business blade job in the match. (laughs) Um, And I think it's just worth it for that, because, like, how many times can you think of that you've seen Nash gig himself, right? Yeah. Um, So just for the novelty of that, I would say. So the Razor match at SummerSlam, the Action Zone tag match, and then it was a pay-per-view, and it was against Samoan Joe as a singles match. Uh, Those are your three that I'll recommend. Cool. Thanks, JB. All right, next call. Hello, Joe and Adam. This is Kevin Ford. I hope you're both doing well. I'm just calling to inform you that this Saturday is the Elimination Chamber, and I can't wait to get my hands on the Mountain Dew Pitch Black. Yeah. Yeah. 
I'll say this, um, you know, obviously based on the success of the Mountain Dew Pitch Black match and the Applebee's promotion, there's been rumor and innuendo uh, that Cinnamon Toast Crunch are angling to do like a sponsored match at WrestleMania this year. Okay. And uh, piece of trash, horrible wrestler, Dollar King, a.k.a. Top Dollar, has been angling on social media for him to be in that match at WrestleMania. Ugh. Someone who may not have a job by the time WrestleMania comes along, Biggest. let alone being let alone being featured on a two day extravaganza. <laughs> um, fuck you. You stay the hell away from my cinnamon touch crunch money. That money belongs to LA Knight. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but dude, I, I'm if there was a Cinnamon Toast Crunch match featuring LA Knight, yeah, uh, I would look forward to this. I haven't had Cinnamon Toast Crunch in, like, a decade, and I used to love that. So <laughs> I, I was thinking about trying to pitch something and film a video of, like, pouring Mountain Dew Pitch Black over some Cinnamon Toast Crunch and eating that <laughs> as, a, like, a, a tribute to LA Knight. But let's see him get in the match first, and then we'll cross that bridge. Yeah. All right, All thanks right. for your call, Kevin. Next call. Hello, gentlemen. Kevin here, getting a voicemail in. Uh, Dynamite sucked, honestly, oh. so I hope Adam watched something else or we have something to talk about this week. Hey. Um, you watched so NWA. My thought for <laughs> WrestleMania is you, you got to call an audible on Sammy, so, but yet Cody also has to win. So why not have a triple threat match of Cody, Sammy, and Roman, and then Cody and Sammy do the Undertaker and Kane double pin on Austin. They both won the match, but who won the belts? And then the next night on Raw is when we split up the belts so Raw and SmackDown needs to have a title. Because there are two titles, there just hasn't been for a while. But speaking of two titles, guys, let's go back to the height of the Monday Night Era or even beforehand in the 80s, because wrestling did take place before that. It did. If there were two belts <laughs> for a company, either WWE or WCW, at the time, who didn't win a world title that would have if there were two world titles? I think obvious picks are Roddy Piper, um, Jake Snake Roberts, honestly, British Bulldog. So just who would you come up with if there were two world titles in the two big federations? Take your pick for which era. Looking forward to it, guys. Uh, I do like that idea of having somehow Cody and Sami Zayn both get the pan or get like the one of them submitting Roman while the other one's got his shoulders down. I don't know, something like that. And then having the titles just be broken up. But that kind of ruins the WrestleMania closing confetti moment of having somebody stand with the titles, which WWE is super hard on having, you know? Right, because, you know, you made the joke before about, like, oh, if Sammy just wins by a countout and they do the Lex Luger SummerSlam celebration, you know, like, how different is that if, like, oh, they both win the titles, so now they're the co-winners of the WrestleMania main event. Like, more, like, poor Lex Luger's treatment in World Wrestling Entertainment being foisted upon Sammy. What a way to kill a babyface, right? Have we yeah. not learned our lesson from, <laughs> you know, 30 years ago, whatever the fuck it is, right? Yeah. Um. I know a lot of people are speculating that they're going to split the titles after WrestleMania. And I, for some reason, there's just something in my head that I'm like, I can't see them doing it. Right. Mm. But who knows? I'm wrong about everything. You know, 
Yeah, I mean, when Jericho won the undisputed title, they broke it up. You know, there's they. they I feel like they get bored with having uh, an undisputed championship. You know. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, obviously, Kevin had the perfect example that would always pop to my head, and that's that Roddy Piper should have had a run when Hogan was champ, you know, at the top of the card. Uh, Mr. Perfect, Rick Rude, you know, any of those guys during, like, early 90s WWE after they were done with their Intercontinental runs? Uh, what about you, Joe? I, I, like, I'm of the same mindset. I'm sitting here trying to think. Anybody who was at that level or close to that level on the NWA WCW side got the title, right? Obviously, Magnum TA, if he didn't have that car accident, he absolutely would have been the NWA champion, WCW champion, whatever, right? But everybody else was kind of slotted in right where they were, or if they were at that level, they won the title, whether it be Sting or Luger or whomever, right? But you yeah. mentioned all these guys in WCW. There were so many guys that were at that level. You know, we, you and Bo- Kevin both mentioned Piper, Jake the Snake, Rick Rude, Mr. Perfect, Ted DiBiase, right? Yeah. All these great top higher-end heels coulda, shoulda, woulda had a run with the title, but just because the way the WWF was set up, that it was more of a babyface territory, that if there was a heel champion, they were always like the transitional champion. Whereas, like, Kevin mentioned the British Bulldog, and, like, Bulldog was, like, you know, listen, we, we look at the British Bulldog with rose-colored glasses, but unless he was being carried around by Mr. Hitman, or, <laughs> and begrudgingly, I'll say Mr. Heartbreak, uh, <laughs> it wasn't that good, right? I think the yeah. babyface side on WWF was exactly slotted where they were supposed to be. Like, obviously, a lot of these guys turned babyface, but, like, a pure babyface, like, Junkyard Dog was never fucking winning the belt, right? Yeah. Um, Sergeant Slaughter was never one of the belt, but that was like way earlier. But that's another conversation for another day. But uh, WWF had a lot of guys that could have, should have, would have won the belt, um, but didn't. And if there was two quote unquote world titles, they absolutely would have. Yeah. And one of the worst things about the Bulldog is he's standing around holding a coffee when a man was talking to him. Right. And that's probably why they didn't put the belt on him. He was doing that too much. <laughs> Thanks, right. Kevin. Thanks, Kevin. Next call. Hey guys, it's the wiki. Uh, in watching the homework, um, it's not good. Not a good pay-per-view, but I did want to say, holy shit, the bump that Kidman takes through the table during the Perry Saturn match looked brutal. I don't know how he didn't die. That's all. Talk to you guys later. <laughs> Yeah, first, uh, thank you, DeWiki, for agreeing with me on this pay-per-view. You know, a rare a rare moment where you step out of line from the Joe Sposto Yes Man Association. <laughs> oh, Adam. Anyway, but yeah, that, that bump was crazy. Kidman was uh, a notorious crazy bump taker, but he wouldn't take them all the time. He would just do it every now and then so people would, like, go crazy for it. And uh, definitely watching that match when he went through the table. I think it was the suddenness of it, you know? Yeah. Um, it just kind of happened out of like they set up the table, and any time like in wrestling, it's like oh they set up the table, it's definitely going to get used. But enough time it elapsed that I kind of sort of forgot about it, and then yeah. it's just like out of nowhere, Kidman dies going through the table. It was pretty <laughs> crazy. Yeah. Thanks, Dwicky. Thank you. you. Thank you, Dwicky. All right, pink button time. Get ready. It's <laughs> Young Ed. Hey, Joe and Adam. It's Ed. Um. So. Toy High, I bought a shitload of Booster Gold comics, right? Nice. And uh, now I'm, I'm, only, I'm only one away from having them all, right? So, like, 
Joe, do I just order this off eBay or do I go find it in the wild? And I'm actually really pissed because it's issue eight. I had it in my hand, but I was convinced that I already had it. Um, so that really just fucking sucks that <laughs> I, uh, I didn't complete this run, uh, by choice. Um, so, uh, I mean, I'll probably, listen, I'll probably call back later. Like, let's be real. <laughs> but Joe, you know, I just want your opinion on this right now. Do I, do I order this thing and just complete it and get it done? Or do, or do I find out in the wild like I did like pretty much everything else in this, uh, this run? Uh, let me know because you're an expert at this. That's right, I am. Okay, bye. I love how I am one of the biggest Booster Gold fans and biggest collectors on the planet, but I get even not. I don't even get asked. My opinion on this doesn't matter. So, you know what? That's fine. I do actually have a loose run with multiple doubles of Booster Gold that I can go and check to see if I have an extra number eight. But you know what? Apparently, he only wants your take on this, so I'm just going to sit back, Joe. Well, Adam, this is why he wants my take for a multitude of reasons. One, you tout yourself as the uh, uh, Michael Jordan of Azrael collecting, and that already takes a few notches out of your credibility when it comes to anything else. Uh, <laughs> number two, I'll say to Ed, whenever you're out in the wild and you're buying comic books, and especially, unless it's like some sort of like $20, $30, $40, $50 book, and you're like, do I have this or not? Just buy it. Just assume you don't have it, right? You have it in your hands. Just buy it. And now you have two of them. No big deal. It's not like you're out like uh, thousands of dollars, right? Hundreds of dollars, tens of dollars. But uh, again, this is why he comes and asks me, Adam. Uh, Yes, Ed, you absolutely should go and buy this episode of Booster Gold. And when you do so, you should use our eBay affiliate link. (laughs) And he also uh, Ed had tweeted out that like now that this collection is done, what should he do next? And uh, he, it was recommended to him to get the Giffen Dematis era of uh, JLI that Booster was in, right? Um, I think that Ed should become the Michael Jordan of Booster Gold collecting stuff. And he should get every Booster Gold appearance, like his first appearance in like Action Comics Weekly. Uh, he should get like all the whoa, other whoa, times whoa, that he whoa, popped whoa. up in other places. What? Booster Gold's first appearance was in Booster Gold number one. It wasn't nope. in Action Comics. Oh, there was it wasn't the Action Comics Weekly like an early appearance? It might have been within the I believe that Action Comics issue crossed over with like an early Booster Gold issue. Okay. And it was him and Superman, and like each cover kind of mirrored the other one. But I, I'm sure you would know oh. you know this with you being the go-to guy for Ed's comic questions. I, I, I do know that Ed has those. Gotcha. But uh, I also I, I would not recommend the Griffin and Dematis run because Ed's a young and he probably wouldn't like dated like early 80s humor. Um, so I would recommend the very short uh, like ongoing the booster had like in the 2010s, not the blue and gold that they just finished up, but the one where it's him and Rip Hunter. I forget exactly if it had like a. Uh, like a subtitle to it or anything like that, but it was basically uh, Booster Gold kind of getting his shit together and having to pretend to be incompetent, but really is like fixing errors in the timeline. But that was a good run. Yeah. So you say two. So again, it was like 2007 ish when it started. Um, okay. writ- written by Jeff Johns, art by Dan Jurgens, who created him. Uh, the series went on for like almost like four years. It, it was probably uh, only really, good for a year. I think no, no, no. Okay, so uh, first of all, shame. Um, 
it was definitely good for at least the first two years of it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, at the very least for the first two years. Now, I do know that a bad person took over the book um, for a little while. What the fuck was his name who did the wrestling, uh, the, the wrestling Patreon, not Wrestle Society X? Um, but he did like this uh, wrestling promotion gimmick thing where it was like, oh, Kickstarter and everybody gets all these fucked up gimmicks and stuff. I have no idea what any of that is now. All right. But I will say, so as much as you poo-poo this, you know, Jeff Johns does like the first two years. Dan Jurgens writes a bunch of it. Uh, Giffen and DeMatties write a bunch of it, you know. I um, wasn't poo-pooing. I was recommending it to him. Mm-hmm. I just I just thought it only You said it wasn't like- good. No, I said that I said and you run the tape back. I was like it was like a good year or so run and I was surprised that it was 4 years and I'm like oh maybe I only enjoyed the first like year or so of it. It was it was definitely good for the first 2 plus, let's say that. Yeah, I think like they brought back spoiler on like a 15-year-old comic. They brought back Blue Beetle, you know, who had been previously dead in the comics and that was fun for a little bit, but then they were kind of just like gallivanting around the universe and it was like okay this doesn't feel like a booster gold book and that's where i kept buying it but i kind of lost interest in it all right all right thanks for asking joe about booster gold ed you know that's that's cool all right next call i called back he's gonna ask about alexa bliss and leave me out of it next (laughs) good (laughs) yeah here's another call from ed hey john adam it's ed um I just wanted to give you guys a small update on some things. Uh, first update, the guy that sits, like, parks too close to my car during breaks and makes me not able to smoke is fired now. Good. So that's awesome. Uh, I love that for me. Um, update number two. Uh, I saw it on Twitter, so I guess, I don't know. Some people don't follow me. They might be interested. Um... A uh, new show for me in April, and uh, I know we were we were we were joking and working with the title. It's going to be the Young Ed Show. Sounds good, uh, but I decided I don't want my fucking name in it because I'm not like important enough for that. <laughs> like, no one, you know, going to be like, "Oh, Young Ed is on this." Like outside of uh, the people that already know me, so that that won't uh, be you know won't work. So I decided to go with drumroll. It's going to be called Hayabusi uh, Wrestling Jason Podcast. I don't know what it's going to be. I know it will be very off-putting and weird, and um, I don't know, but I'm excited. Uh, I can't wait to get this logo done and show you because it's it's the most Ed thing to ever occur, probably. I'm very excited. And um, ho- hope you hope you two want to be on it sometime. That'd be a fun time. I won't do, uh, you know... Any drug? I, that's not true. I'll be drugs. Right. I'll be California sober for it. How's that sound? <laughs> hey, buddy. <laughs> I've updated my plug list already. Don't worry. All right. Uh, just so you know, uh, I will still call it the Young Ed Podcast. Sounds good. <laughs> and when I refer to the title, I will purposely mispronounce it as "Hiya, Bussy." <laughs> uh. But thank you for calling, Ed. I'm glad that guy got fired from his job. Yeah, fuck that guy. <laughs> now, I was told the next two calls I could play back-to-back, so that's what I'm going to do. All right. All right, and these are Ed's last two calls. 
Uh, hey, Joan Adam, it's Ed. Last call. I just wanted to call and give you guys another update on what's going on in Impact. So I'm watching it right now. So it's been on for 20 minutes. Uh, Chris Bay wrestled Kushida, and that was really good. But more importantly, the second segment was Santino Morella doing a sit-down with Tommy Dreamer and Bully Ray, and I think it's important to know that, one, Bully Ray flips uh, a chair around and sits on it like A.C. Slater before he sits down. Because that's what cool guys do. Two, Tommy Dreamer is 50 and has, like, an undershaved ponytail. And three, Impact is, like, co-promoting. <laughs> Plus, to the Open Radio's first live show. <laughs> it just dawned on me that that means these two, because they're feuding on this show, are probably feuding on your fucking stupid radio show, too. Oh, my God. Tommy Dreamer and Gooey really both need put down. <laughs> hey, bye. All right, I'll play the next one and then I'll comment on that. All right. Hey, also, uh, Barry Horowitz just wrestled and the Kiss Demon helped him uh, win a match because this is the best wrestling company. Thank you, Eddie. Impact Wrestling's number one fan. <laughs> can I say, so uh, funny he should mention Busted Open. All right. I am currently, as of this afternoon, caught up on podcasts. I have nothing oh. in my queue. Uh, and, and I've been trying to say, again, I'm not, it's not like I'm working. So I listen to a lot of podcasts. Uh, so when I, I ran to the store earlier today, I had no podcast to put on, which is such a rarity. So I put on the radio. Fucking all of my stations were playing like dog shit music. So I switch over to one of the sports channels. It was a commercial. I flipped it to one other preset. It was... Fight Nation or whatever that channel is, and it was busted open. So I was like, "All right, I'll give them a minute." They were. It was Bully. It was Tommy Dreamer and Lagreca or whatever, the other hosts, whatever. So it was the three of them, and they were talking about the Wardlow interview segment where he was getting his haircut. Yeah. And basically, Bully Ray was putting it over as probably one of the most impactful promos in the history of wrestling. He spent like. 10 minutes on it and i was just like how how are you getting this much out of it uh, i hate bully ray sorry <laughs> uh ray deadly is a poor man's alex jones yeah um I, I i agree with ed he is someone who does not get professional wrestling and uh mjf is about two promos away from being the modern day ray deadly um, I, I will, uh, stay, I will, uh, uh, correct Ed and say that Tom Dreamer, I, I can't call him Tommy cause he's a 52 year old man, not a 50 year old man. He's 52 years old with an undercut, but he still goes home every night to Beulah McGillicuddy. So <laughs> again, six of one, half a dozen, the other, eh, listen, you know, I remember 1995 very well, right? <laughs> um, but a a segment where Santino Morella interviews Tom Dreamer and Ray Deadly sounds like wrestling hell. Did like Matt Stryker not like find the building that day? Like what's going on, guys? And also Ed's been like watching allegedly NXT recently too. I don't like Yeah. He's gotta he's gotta get this podcast started so that he'll stop watching wrestling because he didn't watch this much when he was doing Pod Van Dam. Right, and I will say I'm strangely interested to see whatever the Barry Horowitz thing is, because the last Barry Horowitz match that I saw was him and Joey Janela have like a a walk and talk brawl at a Wrestle Pro show, and, and like 
Barry Horowitz seemed to be having a lot of difficulty with the walk part of the <laughs> walk and talk brawl, you know? Yeah. Um, but thank you for all your calls, Ed. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so we already hit the plugs at the beginning of the show. Um, the T public sale is next week, so we'll hit that a little bit harder next week. Um, hey, weekly purchases, I am quickly going to say... Uh, the only screenshots that I have that I deleted was the uh, picture of my delicious feast that I got on Wednesday from Long John Silver's. <laughs> it's Shrimp Fest at Long John Silver's, everyone. Not a paid sponsorship yet. Um, <laughs> and uh, the first wave of tweets of that Zinnia did that woman who got her Twitter account banned or suspended or whatever it is. She's one of these, like, lady wrestling influencers who, like, has weird takes on men's mental health and posted a video of her interviewing G-Raver literally the morning. Or, like, the morning that he got accused and outed for, like, um, uh, like abuse of multiple people. That afternoon, she put down a sit-down interview with him that she let sit out for a whole day before she took down. Um, she's a bad-take person on Twitter. She seems like a stupid person. And as far as I know, Adam, the only thing that, like, I, listen, as someone who's had his Twitter account suspended but got it back eventually, to get your Twitter account permanently banned, she must have been secretly trying to find out who's regularly been shitting in her pants. Because that's my only frame of reference for someone who has their Twitter account completely banned. <laughs> oh, I love it. Um, I have a weekly purchase for myself. Um I did sell a couple things in the major pod group, but I also opened up for business Crazy Vansky's discount DVD and Blu-ray Emporium. Um, so for fans of physical media who happen to live within 20 minutes of my place, uh, come on down. I have a lot of DVDs and Blu-rays at crazy prices. And I sold a bunch of them to a buddy of mine. I sold like maybe 20 DVDs and 10 Blu-rays. And uh, you know, I don't know, DJ and Brett, come on down. But that's all I have for weekly purchases. But uh, don't purge these podcasts. Listen to go. these podcasts. And those podcasts are Longbox Heroes, Longbox Heroes After Dark, Final Wrestling Place, We Need Wrestling, Porch Talk, Viewer's Choice, Wrestling Cheers, Indie Wrestling Guide, Wings on Wings, If You Catch My Grift, and coming April 2020, Hiabussy, a wrestling adjacent podcast. A.K.A. the Young Ed Podcast sounds good. Yes, sir. Some might cost a little. Some might cost a lot. But I'm the $100 Vansky. And your figures will be bought. Ha 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 All right, Joe, I'm sure you have a lot of stuff, so do you want to start off first? Adam, I got nothing. I have not what? bought a goddamn thing this week. What the hell, man? I guess for once I'm going to have to carry the, the bulk of the purchases during weekly purchases. Yes, but for I'm, the I, first time, but not the last yeah. time. 
<laughs> yes. I'm not going to take a long time. I do have a lot of purchases, but not a lot of stuff that is like story worthy. Um, somebody in like, I don't know if it was on Twitter or on the Facebook group posted that back to the future.com put up on their website available for the purchase a first time ever as an official offering, like an officially licensed offering, but a reproduction, a one for one reproduction of the gray sports almanac. And it has like all of the scores and stuff inside from like the 1950 to 2000 based on like the movie. And it comes in like the prismatic bag with the clear receipt. So I was like, do I need this? No, I don't need this. And I kind of put it off for a day or two, but then I was like, if this sells out and I didn't buy it, I'm not going to be able to sleep. Like I'm not going to be able to live with myself. So picked up a gray sports almanac. Okay. Hopefully you're not uh, expecting Michael J. Fox to sign that sometime in the near future. Ah, I I think I got to be working to be able to afford that. But uh, that's, I don't know. We'll talk, pal. You got got four months. They got three and a half months to get a job. Yeah. It's not like I would buy an autograph signing ticket for something that's months in advance without knowing what I'm going to have financial stability like when that happens. But more on that in a moment. Uh, Next up. Uh, did you ever buy that Wrestling with Shadows DVD, Joe? Uh, I did not. Uh, again, I do not have a Blu-ray player, uh, so it felt as uh, a silly uh, thing to buy a Blu-ray for not having a Blu-ray player. And as we discussed this, uh, there is still 94 in stock. Gotcha. So if you can actually do still have that tab up, or did you close it already? I can open it back up. The internet uh- works very easily. Oh, nice. So, uh, was the vinegar syndrome? Yes. Yes. So they have the standard version for twenty. Actually, it looks like twenty five forty nine plus shipping, and I believe they're sold out of the slipcase edition now, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, that's true. Look at that. The limited edition is the one that's sold out. Son of a bitch. Yeah. So uh, I was tempted. But I was like, I like Mr. Hitman. I have not seen this documentary since maybe within a year or so when it came out. Uh, But I don't like Mr. Hitman like $37 after shipping and tax. But, Joe, if you didn't know this, the standard Blu-ray is on Amazon for $20 with free shipping. Oh, no way. Yeah, so I picked it up there. So I saved myself a a chunk of money. Let me know if it's on eBay. (laughs) And then let our listeners know. Uh, Fun fact, uh, uh, I was like, oh, man, I should buy this on here and then use like somebody else's click through so they can get the 20 cents. And I really spent a lot of time thinking about it, but I was like, you know what? I don't, it's 20 cents. I'm just going to buy the fucking DVD. But anyways, uh, so I bought that. And speaking of shitty websites that nobody should shop at ever again, also on Amazon, they put up the ultimate 16 AJ styles and razor Ramon figures this week. Uh, some, uh, I believe it was Kevin Ford in the, uh, one of our group chats posted that and pointed it out. And I was like, you know what? Their retail price. I'll go ahead and pre-order that. Cause I wanted them anyways. Uh, maybe I'll get a chase razor. We'll see. What were uh, you guys lamenting about the pictures that were used in the Amazon listing? Uh, because they were just like somebody just dropped a box on a counter and snapped a picture of it. It wasn't like a studio shot mm, or okay. something like that. And, and that's common if like Bob's Electronics is selling something or, you know, you know, Joe's collectibles. But for an a- ship and sold by Amazon listing, that's not common. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, 
whatever, you know, they're shipped and sold by Amazon. If they come in some kind of weird state, I'll send them back happily. I like wasting Amazon's time, those fuckers. <laughs> uh, uh, I pre-ordered the Bobby Heenan micro brawler. Yes. I need that. And I might have to buy the chase when, uh, when I get, get one reasonably priced because I need Bobby Heenan stuff, man. I got that itch. I'm glad I'm out of the micro brawler game. Well, until somebody else that you're friends with or whatever, another Jeff Jarrett, you'll you'll, you'll own another micro brawler within a year. I'm going to say. Okay, just saying it's going to happen. Um, I, I'm not going to even give this much time or much detail or tell a story, but I mean, I bought another Azrael prototype figure, and uh, it's really no big deal because, like, I guess for other people, when they buy a one of a kind test shot, it's like a big deal. But when you're the the Michael Jordan of Azrael figure collecting, it's like a Tuesday, so it's not a big deal. Uh, and finally, I alluded to this before, I caved. I s- bought a ticket for Pandora's Box, the signing that they're doing in August with Mick Foley, and I bought the triple autograph package where you get three autographs. And to make use of that ticket, I bought on eBay... A relatively mint, like a 9 out of 10, Jack's Mick Foley Triple Threat 3-pack, which has uh, Cactus, Dude Love, and Mankind in it. Again, I, I, I haven't purchased my ticket yet. That's still like six months away. I'm thinking about it. I love Mick. Um, I have the, you know, obviously I have the most recent uh, Elite that came out. Um, yep. I, I know what I would want him to sign on it, but, you know, I'm not the fancy gentleman that a lot of the other people in the soon-to-be-named network are, you know? <laughs> it's I think, like, a, a photo and an autograph is, like, 80 bucks, so that's yeah. not Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I, got, I got a kid that I could spend that 80 bucks on, you know? Yeah, guys... Once again, I remind you, at oddswrestling.com, sign up for the Patreon at least four shows a week, or I'm sorry, a month. You know, give give Joe a chance to come to this Pandora's box signing and see his hero, Mick Foley. Listen, I, and I, I want to let you know, I'm not destitute or anything like that, <laughs> you know? I, I, no, I had, that's, the Patreon's I had, not keeping the lights on. It's allowing yeah. us to live a fancy gentleman lifestyle. That's true. I had steak twice this week, you know, it's, oh. <laughs> you know, I had eggs four times this week. Apparently eggs are expensive. I don't know. I just fucking buy the shit, right? Yeah, I don't know. Um, cost. <laughs> yeah. But like, I don't include my groceries in weekly purchases. You know, I put gas in my, I put gas in my wife's car in my car this week, you know, and it's fucking it's money, right? Yeah. It's just, uh, I don't know, man. Like, I'm not a, like, yeah, I don't know. Would you ha- let me ask you this? Have you ever have you had an opportunity to get a photo of Mick Foley before? No. Would you just be interested? I mean, uh, would it be more interesting to you to just do just the photo because you're less of like a, a fig guy than the rest of us in the network? I don't know. Like I, it, okay. so that's the thing. It's like I, it's just it's just too soon to be thinking about it. Like let's get oh let's, absolutely it's forever from now. Let's get past this weekend. <laughs> And then we'll talk about it, right? Yeah. No, I was just curious. You know, the only reason why I did, like, I wanted to buy the three-pack because when DJ or Brett, I forget which one, pointed out the event to us, I immediately thought of that three-pack, and I went on eBay, 
And there was like three of them listed and they were all beat to shit. Like they were in bad shape. These are like four out of tens, five out of tens. And then somebody listed like a mint one, like a pristine one. And the next I clicked, I had them all on my watch list. The next day, all four of them were gone. Uh, and I was like, holy shit, this must be a lot of people with the same exact ideas I have. You know, like a Mick probably announced a, a big bunch of signings he's going to do. And people were like, I want to get this triple threat thing. And then the next day, somebody else listed another one that was in like really, really good shape. So I was like, I am not going to miss out on getting this figure because I don't want to have three separate figures signed. And I also don't want to have the be faced with, do I want to have a dude love figure sign? Do I want to have a cactus Jack? Do I want a Funko pop? No, no, no. I just want what I want. So I pulled the trigger on the figure. And the only reason I bought the ticket when I did, and I, I could be getting fully carnied on this. It's just that Pandora's box said that they're only selling 40 of the tickets for, that'll be for three autographs. Yeah. And again, whether that's bullshit or not, I don't know. But I was like, better safe than sorry. I don't want to have him sign it once and then have to like try to find two more meet and greets to get this figure completely signed. Yeah, I get you. So I was just like, let me knock it out of the way. And between the figure and that ticket and like and taxes and all that shit, I could have just probably bought a goddamn Michael J. Fox and Christopher Lloyd photo opportunity in Philly next month or whenever it is in June. June. Uh, but you know, I don't know. I just kind of, whenever, when it comes to figures, I I have less of a hesitation to pull the trigger. No, I'm just saying the, the real gimmick is to get the Tom Wilson autograph on the sports almanac. Cause he's the one who created the alternate timeline with it. Right. That's true. Yeah. I, I wouldn't get that autograph. That's just mm -hmm. a, I don't even know what I'm doing with it. I just bought it to have it. All right. But that's it for me. All right. Well, that's it for the show, too. Um, again, thanks, everyone, for listening. Um, you know, thanks for supporting us for as long as you have been. Thanks for sharing the show. Uh, it never ceases to amaze me, and I always like to bring this up. Um, it, it always, it never ceases to amaze me of how many people listen to me and whether you reach out publicly or privately to me about listening to the show. I greatly appreciate it. That means um, more to me than like an iTunes review or anything else like that. Um, I just think it's cool that people listen to the show, man, you know, and are like, you know, uh, taking what uh, Adam and I say uh, with a grain of salt or whatever. And uh, listen, if you don't like what we said, we were just joking around, <laughs> um, you know, just like Conan. I'm not going to DM me and ask you if you listen to my podcast, but I will say I do thank everyone out there for listening to the podcast. I agree with you completely on that. I'm always surprised and thrilled when somebody actually enjoys what this, what we do, even in spite of me. And thank <laughs> you. Uh, and Joe, I almost completely forgot. We would actually lose a lot of listeners if I didn't remember this. Uh -oh. We have to do a really quick unboxing video. <gasps> oh, son of a bitch. I almost completely forgot about it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, me too. I almost forgot that I've, I've literally been playing with scissors during this entire podcast. And I was like, why are there scissors in front of me? And it was because I'm supposed to cut open the mystery box from FedEx that I got last week. And let me just go ahead and turn my video on for you. I'm not turning my video on. I, I don't want to see your video, but <laughs> let me. Oh, why is she crying back there? Oh, no, that's those aren't tears. Anyway, 
Um, <laughs> no, so did I know you had tweeted out that FedEx made another unscheduled stop at your house? Did they drop anything off this week? So uh, I was not expecting FedEx because I kind of track everything in a shipping app. Yeah, uh, yeah. But the Azrael prototype that I got came from China and I didn't get like a re- like a tracking number that I could have like reliably followed. And I guess it went from whatever China uses or whatever that guy used. It went to FedEx and then it came here. So I wasn't expecting it, but it was actually something for me. Gotcha. Um, so, Joe, I don't know if you saw the pictures. This is the box. It, it's got more heft to it than I thought it did, like when I initially was talking about last week. But you can see it is a relatively long, girthy box. Uh, I don't think it's a carpet, but did you have any guesses? Um, did, now, I know um, people were speculating that it was like a, a runner or like a nonstick pad to go underneath the carpet that you ended up getting the rug that you ended up giving to your mother. Yeah. Um, my money was on like a curtain rod or curtain like rods or something of that nature. I think that's what I said last week. Yeah. And that's what I'm sticking with. I'm trying to find the tweet, but I don't know if I tweeted or the show did. So I'm going to put it down and try to sh- read some of the guesses. But uh, definitely, I think it's too heavy to be a curtain rod. But let's go ahead and unbox this. And this could be like Geraldo Rivera and Al Capone's vaults. Like this could be terrible podcasting. But we're going to go ahead and check it out. And I'm just doing it off. Let's see. Off camera. It's roadmaps. (laughs) It is. (laughs) I don't know if you can see this. Oh, hang on. Wait, before you say it. I'm just looking here. Um, You know, we have people saying. Gwyneth Paltrow's head. Um, and what else do we have here? The, the rug. Uh, auction it off. Somebody guessed swords. Somebody guessed uh, a roller blind for attaching over a window. Somebody guessed another rug. And we're all wrong. We are. Because this is from the brand Mom Cozy. I think I watched some videos on momcozy.com. Uh, oh, this boy. is a retractable baby gate. Uh, also, it is in the color gray, 140 centimeters or 55 inches. So it is the smaller of the two models that this company offers. And I have absolutely no use for uh, a retractable baby gate, but uh, I don't know. Maybe I'll see if... Uh, our buddy Dave Holden has a baby. He just had a baby a couple months ago. This is this belongs to Dave Holden. So if he's listening, he's getting this. But uh, right. thus, thus ends the mystery of what was in the box. And again, I say that we do this uh, next time that FedEx drops off a mystery package at your home. Um, you know, don't try to return it. Just say, fuck them. It's mine now. We're going to yep. do a contest on the show, right? Yeah, one hundred percent. Because I mean, I I tried. I've done. I went above and beyond. I'm not doing it again. But that's all it. right. So thanks for playing along, uh, everyone. Thanks for uh, hanging in there for Adam's bit uh, with the mystery box. Thanks for listening again to episode two twenty nine of At Odds with Wrestling. And uh, again for Adam, this is Joe saying, be safe out there and enjoy some wrestling.
You're listening to the soon-to-be-named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Networks.